Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. And no, don't adjust your screen. Zach is above my name. Paul is above Ryan's name. Zach is in Vegas celebrating the Ravens draft. He actually made an appearance on NFL Network last night, cheering before the Ravens' uh, second uh, pick of the day. So Ryan is pinch hitting for him. Ryan, thanks for uh, jumping in on the show again. We always appreciate, always love having you here. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm I'm always happy to to fill in, and I'm excited for Zach getting to experience the NFL draft out in Vegas. Uh, I heard it was it's a week before his 21st birthday, so the timing not great for a Vegas trip. But hey, if he's having fun, I'm all for it. Yeah, I I feel like he's probably still found a way to imbibe. While, sure. while, while he's been out there, but I hope he's having a good time. It certainly looked like he was having a good time uh, when he sent me the video of him on NFL Network last night. That was very, very cool. But this is not a football show or a draft show or the Zach Goodman life story. This is the bat around on a beautiful Saturday morning here. I think maybe the weather might be breaking for good. We always start this show so, off. Man. We always start this show off talking about uh, the weather. Because I hate the winter. I hate the winter. I hate the cold. It's the worst. And so when it's it when it's when it, we're, when we have temperatures in the 30s in late April when it's basically May uh, for like four straight days. And I'm not talking about during the day, but at some point it's the temperatures in the 30s. I don't like that. I don't mess around with that, Ryan. I I'm not a fan of it. So it looks like it's gonna get close to 70s the rest of the like the rest of this weekend, all next week. I'm excited about that. That's baseball weather. And speaking of baseball, this is a baseball show, and the Better Round is brought to you by your local Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. You can start with competitive wages, the best in the state, and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. That is bpdrecruit.org. And Ryan, let's just dive right into this. We had... Kyle Bradish's major league debut last night. And victimized again by some bad defense. Um, Gave up three runs, two earned, and six innings. He's only the second Orioles pitcher to go six innings. The other one being, oh, no, I'm sorry. Lyles went six innings, didn't he? Didn't he? I think he might have once. Maybe he pitched. No, I think he pitched into the sixth inning. I think he went five and a third one time. But uh, Bruce Zimmerman has gone six innings. And now. Kyle Bradish in his major league debut goes six innings. Pitch efficient. I, I think he threw what, like 76 pitches or something he, like that? He got over, I think it was 81 or 82. Okay. But it, it was, but, yeah, he was he was looking real good, looking solid. He was at about 60 going into the fifth inning. Had about a 10-pitch inning there, and, and I was excited because I knew at that point he was coming back out for the sixth and got a chance at the quality start, and he came through for us. Retired 10 in a row to close out his outing, 13 of 14. So after that se- second inning, he really settled down. Yeah, he was he was absolutely fantastic last night. Unfortunately, a common trend for the Orioles continued where they pitch and they don't hit. And when they hit, they seem to not pitch. It's, they only score a ton of runs when their pitching is giving up a ton of runs. So that's unfortunate to see. But look, we, we'll, we'll, we'll take the good with the bad. Kyle Bradish, certainly the good. Um, also last night, Ryan Mountcastle, two for four with a monstrous home run over that, uh, over what is it, Elrod's corner. 
I guess, over there. I guess so. If that's the the coin term now, yeah. I was I was sitting out in left field last night, and I was I was really hoping I'd get to see the first Camden Yards home run over the new wall. And I'm glad it was Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, it was it was a moonshot on the broadcast. Kevin Br- Kevin Brown yelled Mountcastle over Mount Baltimore. Yep. I thought that was cool. I thought th- I wouldn't mind calling that Mount Baltimore, but th- that was a no doubter. That's gone in any ballpark and any ballpark that you can imagine anywhere. What a shot by Mountcastle. Austin Hayes stays white hot. He goes two for three last night with a couple of base hits. And this looks like, I'm not going to say a different guy because we've seen him get on runs like this, but we never see it early in the season. Uh, and, and the start that he's out to, he's hitting 296 now, tearing the cover off the ball. I think I should take a little bit of credit for this because there was a game about two weeks ago where they had guys on base, they needed a big hit, and he went up there flailing. And it was just a really, really bad at bat, and I think he ended up popping out. And I was like, can somebody teach Austin Hayes how to have a how to have an at bat. I remember that tweet. And then literally from the next at bat on, I think I think he worked the count for a walk. Then I think he doubled um, in in the final at bat, and he has been red hot, white hot, blue hot, as hot as hot can be, hotter than the surface of the sun. Ever since then, the last twelve games, he's just mashing. I think he's had like three fifty six his last twelve games. So that's good to see that continue. Keegan Aiken. Ryan, what the hell has gotten into this guy? He's throwing way too many strikes. I, it's I, I don't know, but I love it. It's it, great. I, I, it, usually, if somebody throws that many strikes, it's not a good thing because right. you're leaving too many pitches in the strike zone. Last night, 37 pitches, 31 balls. I think the six balls were a season high for him last night. And yet he goes two and two-thirds scoreless, one hit, two strikeouts. This dude has found a role. He has found his groove in this Orioles bullpen. And those people that are saying, well, maybe he should get a spot start, no. And you know he will. They're, they're going to give him a spot start at some point. You know that they will, but don't mess with a good thing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, all the cliches you can think of. Yeah, I'm leaving. If I'm Brandon Hyde, I'm leaving Keegan Aiken in that bullpen to flourish in this role because right now he's looking like an all-star reliever. He's been fantastic, and you know, you say that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I kind of had the same feeling about Tyler Wells coming into the season. He's put a couple good outings out there, went five in his last start, two runs, I believe. Um, but Aiken has just been spectacular out of the bullpen, and you, you know what they say about relief pitchers. A lot of them are failed starters, and Aiken did not have a good role as a starter. So if, if he can find comfort in this bullpen and continue on this trend, I am all about it because we need guys like that who can contribute in other ways if they're not going to be able to fit in the rotation. Oh, ab- absolutely, and, and especially with this rotation where you know that the, right now they have a short leash because it's still early in the season and they had the short spring training, but they're also a lot of these guys can be ineffective at times, and we saw that last year, and that's why the bullpen started out so well last year and then got completely taxed by the end of May. Um, so if you have a guy that... Every time you ha- every third day when a pitcher can't get out of the fourth or fifth inning, you have a guy that can come out in there and bridge the gap to the back end of your bullpen. That is an important role on a ball club, especially a ball club like this where you need all the help that you can get. So what Keegan Aiken's doing, I don't hate it. I love it. It is absolutely fantastic, and hopefully he can continue that with the start, the strong start to his season. Tyler Nevin, man, that 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 poor guy. Last night he it was com- a rough one. Yeah, it, it was a rough game. He comes up with runners on first and second, and nobody out. I believe in the second at bat, and uh, grounds into a double play, and the Orioles don't score. Then he comes up in the next at bat, runners on second and third, and one out, and he strikes out. Then he comes up in the ninth inning, has an opportunity to get a base hit, and, and was it in the ninth inning or was it the eighth inning? 
Uh, there was a guy on base, and if he got in the, I think it was the ninth inning. I think it was the ninth. It was the ninth inning. There was a runner on second base, and he had an opportunity, and he scorched the ball, hit a, a, a seed out to right field that just stayed up and was caught, and uh, just hit the, it right at Bradley. Yeah. So, so the story goes: the Orioles end up losing the ball game last night, three to one. A lot of good, a lot of not so good. Um, Ruben Odor made another error, and let's talk about Odor, and let's talk about Chris Owings. They have. Odor come in. Did he come in to pinch hit last night? He came in to pinch hit for Mateo, mm-hmm. and then they used Owings to pinch hit for Odor in the ninth. Right, and neither one of these guys has a spot on this team. Neither one of these guys should be here. And look, I would much rather, unless Mateo got hurt and they didn't tell us, I would much rather have Mateo stay in and take that at bat. Mateo has been coming through this year, and if yeah. he gets on base. He he has the opportunity to on a on a base hit down liner in the gap he could score easily. I'm I I much rather see Mateo get that at bat. Look, Lin, uh, Odor is brought in here to hit home runs and play good defense at second base. He has zero home runs. Home runs. He has zero home <laughs> runs, and he has made error after error at second base. He's looked mediocre at best in the field. Chris Owings is two for fifteen with eleven strikeouts this year. Why are either of these guys on the team? You can call, you can say veteran leadership all you want. You got to lead by example, and the yeah. example that they're setting is not one I want anybody on this team following. No, they're I, not good baseball players. No, they're not. And it, it was a bases loaded, two out situation in which they used Odor to pinch it for Mateo, uh, righty on the mound. So I kind of get it in that sense, but I'd I'd rather see Mateo just in terms of production. Uh, Odor flails at two pitches and then watches called strike three. Mm-hmm. And One, whether two, you, three strikes, you're out. And you you can argue that that pitch was off the plate, but Odor didn't argue. He looked at it and then just walked away. That pitch is close enough. And again, maybe you're fooled, but you're a big league hitter. You got to find a way to flick that foul. You yeah. absolutely have to find a way to flick that foul. And you don't come through in that situation. Can you honestly tell me that Mateo would have done worse? Mateo could have at least done the same, and then you keep those legs in the game. You can't do worse than a three-pitch strikeout with the bases loaded. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't get any worse than that. And then Odor comes out the, the next half inning, replaces Arias at second base, who moves over to shortstop in Mateo's spot, and, and immediately fumbles a, a routine ground ball. Mm-hmm. Where he should have gotten in front of the ball and had the glove turned right side up, and instead he tries to backhand it in front of the ball. I cannot I stand don't- this is a, a major league infield. The chances of you getting a bad hop are not good. Body up on it, man. If it does get a bad hop, it hits you in the chest, you still are able to regroup and make the play. I have no understanding why these guys try to backhand ground balls that are hit right to them. Right, and we saw it twice the day before with Mateo at shortstop. Yeah. And look, I get it. You want to see what you have in Gutierrez and Mateo and Arias. But the Orioles brass did themselves a disservice this year by not finding a quality Major League shortstop. When I say quality, you, they weren't getting Trevor Story. Maybe they were in on Carlos Correa, but and if you ask Jorge Mateo, they were in on, on Carlos Correa. And if you ask Ramos, he'll say the same thing. But look, those guys didn't get here. Freddie Galvis is playing overseas right now. Jose Iglesias came in here for a visit. Uh, Jonathan VR came in here for a, I don't know that he came in here for a visit, but why are you letting one of those guys sign anywhere else but here? They're familiar with the team. VR is off to a hot start. Iglesias, yeah, yeah I think he had a negative 11 defensive runs saved last year, but he still can field a routine ground ball. These are routine ground balls, and you're booting them. And, and poor Bruce Zimmerman loved the .93 uh, sparkling ERA through four starts, 
But he gave up four runs all unearned against the Yankees. That's a ball game that the Orioles had no business losing. No. They had no. You you are in complete control of that game. You're up two nothing in the fifth inning, and then your defense decides that they just can't field a ground ball and they can't make any throws anymore. Uh, at what point do we say enough is enough and we find somebody that can – Richie Martin sitting down there, and he's not playing great, but he's not playing terribly. He had a really nice spring. And I'm not saying you don't put Mateo in the lineup every day. You don't put Arias in the lineup every day. But you got to find ways. And you look, maybe give Santander a day to DH and let Mateo go play in the outfield. Mateo's not an infielder. Uh, I I love I love his athleticism, but my big knock against him since he got here was I don't think he can field a ground ball, and he hasn't shown that he can this year. He'll make a spectacular play, that's nice, but make the routine plays. We we've seen it with the throughout my life: Ripken, Bordick, uh, JJ Hardy. These guys routinely put, made all the plays on all the balls that were hit right at him, and we're not seeing that right now. Yeah, I mean, you talk about veteran leadership. A, a shortstop's a good place to start. And, uh, you know, I was actually talking about this with a friend last night that, you know, Mateo is not a great shortstop. There's a good spot for him in the outfield, especially on a night like last night when you've got McKenna starting. They put Mancini in right field. He has no business out there. They gave Hayes a DH night and Santander on the bench. Why not throw Mateo out there and, and see what he can do, get some get another bat in the infield? I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's a mess right now. Uh, you, you've got to have guys who can back up your pitching. The the infield defense all around in that Zimmerman inning was just brutal. You had an, an E6, you had an E5, you had a ball that should have been an E4, you had Trey miss a scoop at first base. It was just poor all around. And yeah. when you've got a guy like Bruce Zimmerman who's been off to such a hot start this season, you've got to be able to back him up. And to this point, the Orioles have just completely floundered in the field. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up Bruce Zimmerman because if we're going to change gears here a little bit, Last week on the show, uh, right after the, literally a minute and a half after the show ended, John Means put out the the Instagram post saying that he had he was having Tommy John surgery, and he did have Tommy John surgery this past week, and it was successful. Hopefully, it can be one of the shorter recoveries, and he can be back pitching a bulk of the season next year. The good news is that it happened early in the season, so maybe he doesn't have to miss too much of 2023. But we have to talk about the fact that Bruce Zimmerman is kind of filling the, not kind of, he is filling the role, filling the void created by the John Means thing. It'd be nice to have them both in the rotation uh, pitching this well, but at least it softens the blow a little bit. Yeah, and I think the big thing with Zimmerman right now is confidence. You know, Means goes down and, and Zimmerman understands, all right, we need a lefty in this rotation. His spot is locked down for the foreseeable future. He's not losing that rotation spot anytime soon. He's, he's locating very well. He's getting a ton more swing and misses this year than he did last year. And, and I really just think it's a matter of confidence. I think he knows that he's got his spot locked down, and he's pitching like he deserves to be there. And, you know, he, he needs some defensive help behind him. He's given up, I think, five now unearned runs on the season and only the two earned with that homer to Rendon in the sixth inning, which was his, you know, the only Orioles' sixth seventh, inning Seventh outing. inning. Seventh, that's right, seventh inning. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean – it's hard not to like what you've seen from Zimmerman so far. The changeup looks good. The curveball looks good. He's keeping his fastball up in the zone for the most part. And that's what you want from from a guy who, who isn't going to blow you away with his stuff. But, uh, I mean, that, that changeup this year has looked fantastic. Well, and credit him for being able to maybe – and I don't know that you have to swallow pride, but having the, the foresight to and the intestinal fortitude to say, you know what, I can't do this on my own, and going to John Means and saying, hey – can you teach me how to throw your changeup? Because he—that's what he did this year, this spring, or this off season. 
And John Means taught him how to throw the changeup, and you've seen that changeup has been absolutely fantastic. I've always loved Zimmerman's curveball. Two years ago, I was watching a spring game, and I was like, wow, that's a big league curveball. Uh, so I, I, I look at Bruce Zimmerman, and right now, there are a few people on the planet pitching better than he is. And, and he's constantly giving you innings. He's giving you length. Love what he's doing. And then, and we're going to talk about this in Orioles banter, so I don't want to steal too much of the thunder of that, but you look at what's coming uh, next, and it's hard not to get excited about what this Orioles team can look like in the second half of the season. Now, some of the guys that are coming next, D.L. Hall and Adley Rutschman. They've been playing up at Aberdeen. Oh, Rutschman's been playing. Hall got his first start last night. Four innings, two hits. Six strikeouts, zero walks, and he threw uh, 54 pitches. He threw 54 pitches, 30, 36 for strikes. That's a 67% strike rate for you math whizzes out there. But the big thing that stood out to me is zero walks. People have been knocking him. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the command. He doesn't have the command. And he said, when they asked him this spring, he said, there's nothing wrong with my command. I walk guys because I'm trying to get the strikeout. And I love what he said. They, they asked him after the game, and he, and he said, I wanted to come out here and dominate and let you guys know that I'm coming. I, I, I love that. I love that mentality. And we've been seeing all offseason posts from him saying, I'm, I want to be one of the greatest to ever do it. The confidence that he has, and there's a bit of a swagger in there, coming out there knowing that I can get you out with a curveball. I can get you out with a slider. I can get you out with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball on the paint. This dude is a dude. And again, take it with a grain of salt because he was doing it against high A batters last night. Yeah. But he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He struck out the side in the first inning, six strikeouts for the game in four innings, kept the pitch count down, zero walks. That's exactly what you were hoping to see from D.L. Hall. He's probably going up. I'd imagine he'd be in Bowie by the end of the month. Or, or, or by the middle to end of May is what I mean, because it is the end of the month. Uh, as for Adley Rutschman, actually, you know what? Let's talk about D.L. Hall for a little bit. Go ahead. I just want to say I'm going to start using this dude is a dude. That's a great quote. Uh, yeah, I, you can make an argument that, that D.L. Hall has more potential than Grayson Rodriguez. I, I really I, think I've can. said that in the past. I think Rodriguez is the safer guy right now. I think, um, you know, in terms of floor— uh, Grayson's is certainly a lot higher than Hall's. There's a lot of injury risk, a lot of reliever risk, I think, with Hall. Mm-hmm. He could be a dominant closer, but, um, you know, obviously you want him in the rotation. But in terms of stuff and pitchability, Hall is right up there with Grayson mm-hmm. and might be even a little nastier in terms of just his pure stuff. Um, you know, he's a guy I hope we get to see at the big league level at some point this year. I, I have a feeling they're going to slow roll with him a little bit, mm-hmm. let him get acclimated to pitching for a full season. Uh, you know, whatever level that may be at. But, yeah, this dude is a dude indeed, and uh, and it's exciting to see, you know, all the confidence, all the swagger. He's got the hair. You know, he's <laughs> he's he's a guy you want in the rotation for, for the next decade, and, and, man, I'm excited to see what he can do against Major League level pitching. Yeah, man, and we saw him a little bit against the Phillies in spring yeah. training. 15 pitches, two strikeouts, uh, touching 100. Uh, he has been – and here's the thing. <clears throat> people talk about him being injury prone or having the injury history. He's had one injury. He had yeah. the he had the one injury. He ramped up to 90 plus innings in 2019. 2020 there and there was a natural progression for him. 2020 there's a lost season. He got got work at the alternate training site, but it's a lost season. 2021 he comes out there and you can tell he's probably overthrowing trying to get the strikeout, trying to prove that he that he belongs in the big leagues and he wears out his arm. 
with 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 the elbow strain or the elbow ten, ten, it was tendonitis I think so um or a, no a stress reaction in his el- in yeah. his in his throwing elbow and basically that's what happens when you when you're overthrowing he's one injury and people are like he has the injury history and we're concerned about it no he doesn't plenty of guys have gotten hurt one time yeah. and and then they they'd be fine and that's not to discredit you no i it's, I'm, it's it's a common thing. Everybody seems to think that this is a Nolan Rymel to pitching, and it's like, no, he's had one injury in his career. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and I, I don't mean to say that Hall is an injury risk, but I, I think there is injury risk with any pitcher who has a previous arm injury. There's yeah, no, always the concern that it might flare up at some point and, and cause more concern later down the road. But, you know, as a pitcher, you're healthy until you're not. Yeah. And so if, you know... If he can put this one behind him and prove that he can build his arm up for a full season, then yeah, that that injury risk that you might associate with him goes away completely. Yeah, and credit to the Orioles, they don't mess around with these things. You look at Adley Rutschman, and we're going to talk about him in a second here. Uh, Adley Rutschman had the tricep strain, and they said originally this is a two to three week injury. It was six weeks. It was six weeks. More than that, it was six and a half weeks before he finally got into a baseball game after the injury. And why? We're sitting there, why do we have no updates? Why do we, now everything's gravy because he's playing, and he's playing fairly well. He, ha, he has a couple of hits. He's hitting 250, but he's got two walks uh, down there at Aberdeen. Even his outs have been loud. Yeah, it, it, and he hasn't struck out right. at, at, at any point. He's had 10 plate appearances, and he's had zero strikeouts. Uh, and you look at that, and so you, you're not thinking about the triceps injury anymore. But when it, when he was in the middle of it and he's not playing, we're not getting great updates other than things are going really smoothly. How smoothly can they be going? This is taking twice as long as you said it would. But then you look at it and you look at a guy like D.L. Hall and they said, we're going to shut him down for, for a few weeks here. He was shut down for the rest of the season. Uh, Adley Rutschman, we're going to shut him down for two to three weeks. He was shut down for six. They want to be sure that this doesn't happen again. Now, look, other things can happen. We just saw it with, with, with John Means. The issue's always been with the shoulder and now it's the elbow and he, he had to have Tommy John surgery. But the Orioles slow play these things so that these guys can come back from injury, come back effective, and not have to deal with it again. And I, I have to credit them because right now, D.L. Hall, uh, from what we saw in spring training, what we heard he looked like down in extended, in extended spring training, and what we saw last night looks like that guy. And if he continues to pitch like he did last night and get the length and the pitch, pitch efficiency, those whispers of... Is he going to be a reliever? Is he the next Josh Hader? They kind of start to dissipate. And yeah. you're looking at a guy who maybe this guy is in your rotation. Now, I'm with you. I'd like to see him at the Major League level this year, but I don't know that we're going to see him before August at, at this point because I'm looking at it, and how many starts is he going to get at Aberdeen? How many starts is he going to get at Bowie? I think he's going to get a lot of starts at Bowie before he ever moves up to Norfolk. Now, are they willing to skip Norfolk with him? I don't know. They like their guys to go to each level, and they like their guys to have success at AAA before they get up to the major leagues. Yeah, Some guys are different breeds, and they, they, they don't need AAA. I think Grayson Rodriguez and Deal Hall might be two of those guys. We'll see. It, it, no matter what level you are, it's hard to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that moves. So, That's true. Uh, guys, this is usually the time when Stan the Fan Charles is on the line with us. Uh, however, Stan, uh, Stan and his wife had other plans today so Stan's taking the week off but I do want to remind you that the hardest working man at Press Box has two great shows for you every week every Monday night Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball and every Thursday night Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports this week 
Stan and Ross caught up with that, the Aberdeen, with Aberdeen Ironbirds general manager Jack Graham about the team's big week. He had Thursday off with uh, Gary because the NFL draft. Uh, but you can find the show with Stan and Ross under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video on Monday. We say you won't, won't want to miss it. You really don't want to miss this. Stan and Ross are going to chat with Orioles legend Rick Dempsey, who was unceremoniously let go by the Orioles. And, you know, a, a lot of... We talked to Jim Hunter, and he had some gripes about it. And uh, there was nothing that the Orioles did to send these guys off in a proper fashion. And Rick Dempsey, especially, what the 83 World Series MVP, what he's meant to this franchise. He's got a, a freaking restaurant with his name on, on the warehouse. Yeah. Uh, he was a part of Masson for a really long time. And he's just gone without with just an announcement made over the internet. You don't really and in a press release. I felt like he deserved better, and so Stan and Ross are going to talk with him on Monday night, and hopefully we'll get um, something from Rick. And hopefully there's no bad blood there. Um, speaking of bad blood, your segues have been excellent lately. Well, they just happen to work out that way. <laughs> it, it, it's like I prepared. You had a great uh, one on our show the other night too. Oh, I, I, I forget what it was, but I continue. appreciate that. Um, but yeah, ba- speaking of bad blood, Adam Jones was on um, the show with Glenn and Rita at, on 105.7 The Fan last Sunday, and he had said it previously in an interview with Vison out in Vegas that he's had no contact with the Orioles since 2018. And you and I talked about this on our show, Oh What a Show, which uh, airs on Sideline Sports Network. Um, so go check that out every Monday night. Um, we talked about this, and the Orioles claim it was just an oversight, and that... Um, they, it was nothing personal. They just thought they weren't sure that he was done playing in Japan. And um, I, I heard rumors that maybe they didn't have his correct number. Maybe he had changed his phone number. But it wasn't anything. Apparently, Adam Jones seems to think that the Orioles are holding a grudge with him because he wouldn't accept the trade to the Phillies in 2018. And the Orioles are saying, no, that's not it. We had every intention of reaching out, out to you, but we just hadn't done it yet, and we weren't sure what your, what your playing plans were. Either way. This is one of the most important players in the history of this franchise. Uh, the only reason his number hasn't been retired is because the Orioles didn't win a World Series when he was here. I, I get that he's not a Hall of Fame player, but what he meant to the community, what he meant to the team, the fact that he was the face of the of the turnaround uh, when he got here. It, it, like, he was the centerpiece of that Eric Bedard trade, and then he gets here and he performs the second he, start, he steps on the field. And he's the face of a turnaround where the Orioles won more games than any team in baseball for five years or any team in the American League for five years. Um, and the fact that they haven't talked to him in four years, it's egregious. It's unacceptable. And uh, first, I want I want your opinion on that, Ryan. To, to me, uh, this guy means he was the heart and soul of your team. And to just not talk to him, how does that happen? I mean, if he changes number, sure. Send him a DM on Instagram. Like. Right. There are so many ways you can reach out to Adam Jones. He's very active on social media. Uh, you can you can find this guy and you can you can get in touch with him. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very frustrating. And you know, like you said, we talked about this on Oh What a Show the other night. He's he was the face of the franchise. He's a super important player, and there's absolutely no reason that he shouldn't be the first phone call to try to get him into Camden Yards for the ceremony. Um, he meant so much to this team. He turned our franchise around, arguably. And, yeah, I, I mean, if I were him, I'd, I'd be pretty angry, too. Yeah. It, it, he's, he's well within his right to be, to be frustrated. Now, I, there were a lot of people on Twitter 
the day that all this news was put out to the public uh, saying, oh, screw you, Mike Elias. No, no. this is an ownership thing. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a, a very good chance that Mike Elias has not met Adam Jones. Oh, yeah. Jones was I, I gone by the time. 100% chance he's never met him. Yeah. Jones was gone by the time Elias was hired. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think that's on him. Maybe he can play a role in trying to convince ownership to bring him along. But, yeah, I, 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 I try to reserve judgment until we know truly from both sides how this went down. But no matter how you frame it, it's a bad look. Yeah. And, and on the Orioles side of things, you can't just say, hey, our bad, we want you here for the for the for the 30th year 30 year anniversary of the ballpark we want you here that's not enough I mean, you called Robert Andino before you called Adam Jones you called Robert Andino before you called Mike Bordick I mean I'm, I'm just putting it out there they haven't even called Mike Bordick from what I heard maybe they're going alphabetically who knows that, that's what I said the other <laughs> day maybe they're going alphabetically but that was my first thought too but um look you got to do more you got to make Adam Jones an ambassador for this team any kind of role that he wants with this team where that's where he's, he's not going to be the manager. You know what I mean? But if he wants a, a, to be a part of this team in some way, you got to make that happen. you got to have him come on here. And the first part of that ceremony, and we talked about this on, this on the other show, the first part of that ceremony is having him sign a one-day contract in, full of a, in front of a packed house with the Orioles to retire an Oriole, if he's ready to retire. Now, Glenn and I talked about this, and he said that, um, Adam said that if Buck Showalter called him in August and was like, hey, we have an injury, we have a need, that he'd go do it. So maybe he's not ready to retire yet. Um, but then also, I think the next step that you take, the Orioles Hall of Fame is so so saturated, right? There's so many people in there. Uh, if I worked for the Orioles for five years, I'd probably be in the, in the Orioles Hall of Fame. Probably. You'd have a plaque out there. Yeah. So uh, the Orioles Hall of Fame ain't enough. I'm not saying you build this guy a statue. But nobody's worn number t- number ten since Jones left. Let's just make that a real thing. Retire the number. You look at yeah, all the guys: Frank, Earl, Brooks, Eddie, Jim, uh, Cal. They all won World Series here, and that's why their numbers are retired. Uh, but Adam Jones is on that next level. He's on that next level. It's him, and then maybe Book Powell step down from him. Guys who meant so much to this franchise that you can't. You can't overstate their value. <clears throat> and a guy like Adam Jones, there's no reason for anybody to ever wear number 10 again. Being the face of a trade where you trade one of the best young lefties in Eric Bedard in baseball, and you get Adam Jones, and he turns into the player that you needed him to become. He didn't just come here and, and play good baseball. He became exactly what you wanted him to be. A gold glove, 30 homer, 100 RBI outfielder. An all-star outfielder who, in 2012 and 2013, was MVP caliber and was the face of your turnaround. Got you to the playoffs three times in five years. And look, three times in five years, you look at the Dodgers. They've been to the playoffs for like 15 straight years. The Yankees haven't missed the playoffs since like 1996. In Baltimore, it's a little bit different. I'm going to be 38 years old this year. They've won 13 times. They've had 13 winning seasons in my lifetime. They lost for 14 straight years. They have lost over 100 games three of the last four years. And the only time, the only reason they didn't lose 100 games in 2020 is because they only played 60. They were going to lose 100 games that year. Yep. No doubt about it. What Adam Jones meant to this community, his charitable work, just being out there in the community, really just 
soaking up Baltimore and letting Baltimore soak him up in return. And then the play on the field, what he meant to that clubhouse, Adam Jones' number should absolutely be retired. In my mind, there's no doubt about that. And if the Orioles call him and say, hey, we want to sign you to a one-day contract and have you retire in Oriole, and we want to retire your number, do you think Adam Jones is still going to hold ill will against this team? Or do you think he's going to be honored? Uh, Honored, absolutely. I I think he has to be. Um, Yeah, I like your idea. I wanted to let you go on your... Your little rant there that was that was very spirited and and you know it, it's obvious just based on something like that and you being able to talk about him with that kind of energy how much he meant to this city mm-hmm. um, you know Adam Jones was the Oriole while Joe Flacco was the Raven and it all you know what he meant not just on the field but outside the community the way he carried himself uh, with the media um, you know on social media he was always engaging always interacting with fans. Um, that's the kind of guy you want, independent of how he performed on the field. Um, but when you take all of that into consideration, I think he's right up there with the numbers who are retired. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's he's got to be in consideration for that. And if the Orioles really do think they screwed up here and, and want to mend things with Adam Jones, that's absolutely the way to do it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything that they can do short of that. Now, chances are they come up short of that. Cause Probably. Somebody, somebody in that front office, maybe somebody in ownership is going to say, we retire numbers of world champions. Get rid of that. Get rid of that men- mentality. Look at the look at the Yankees. The Yankees. I mean, sometimes they go a little overboard retiring Paul O'Neill's number. Like you don't need to retire Paul O'Neill's number. <laughs> I, I get it. He was a really good hard nosed baseball player, and he was part of a part of four world champions. But you don't need to retire his number. But going to be out of numbers soon. Yeah, I, I know, right? What, what, what are they going to wear? Triple digits? I think the lowest number they have available is fourteen. Really. I that, believe so. That, that, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, well, but that's also because back when the Yankees were playing, I think they were the first team to institute um, team numbers because what they did was they, the number on your back was the number, I think, of the position that you played or okay. or your, or where you hit in the order. So that's why, like, Babe Ruth was... Yeah, ba- yeah ba- Babe, Babe was three, Garrick was four. Yeah, yeah that's DiMaggio what it was. five. Yeah, yeah that's, it was where you hit in the order. Um, so that's where... That, that's why... They have all these low numbers retired, and then Derek Jeter, number two, he was he was Derek Jeter, number two, Derek Jeter. Uh, anyway, that's that's the, the the nicest thing you'll ever hear me say about about <laughs> Derek Jeter. By the way, but look, um, more number two, uh, or the, the, any anything that's not negative about Derek Jeter. I, I don't hate the guy. I'm just not. A, I could do a whole show on why Cal is better than Jeter. Yeah. I, I I could do a whole show. But I look, could do a show on why JJ Hardy's better than Jeter. Uh, if I really wanted to, uh, l- l- maybe in a couple weeks we'll do that. We'll okay. have you back in studio and we'll, and we'll do the why everybody's better than Derek Jeter <laughs> uh, two hour edition of the Batter. We got to catch our first break. Today's show is brought to you by the live cas- uh, Fandle Sportsbook at the Live Casino and Hotel in. Is it? I don't have a read for that. Can you hand me that binder? I absolutely can. Oh, I do. I do. I'm sorry. I do have a report. It's just a, a different one than what it usually looks like. <laughs> the best place to be for the rest of the draft, the NBA playoffs, and all of the big upcoming events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. There are some huge fights coming in May, including UFC 274 and Baltimore's own uh, Javante Tank Davis taking on Rolando Romero. Reserve your spot for both events right Right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. We got to catch a break. Uh, when we come back, Ryan is going to uh, take the reins of sounding off, and then we're going to talk to BaltimoreBaseball.com's Rich Dubroff. That and more coming up on The Bat Around. 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me, and great talking to you. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Happy to talk with you guys. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around Well into hour number one of the program today. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. And there's no segue for this. It's just time to sound off. And instead of sounding off with Zach Goodman, it is sounding off with Ryan Blake. Yeah, uh, well, thank you for letting me do this segment again. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun. I feel like the majority of the sounding off segments that I've done on this show have kind of stemmed from tweets, which seems kind of strange, but here we go again. Uh, I sent out a tweet yesterday um, that gained a little bit of traction for my Orioles account uh, where I mentioned that 
if you are if you want to go to a baseball game and you can't find anybody to go with you, go by yourself. Enjoy your own company. This is something that I have done many times in my adult life. Uh, I, I've gone after work. I've gone after school. I've, I've gone by myself when I don't have anybody to go with, when my friends are busy, when they don't have the money, whatever it may be. Um, and this isn't to take away anything from those friends or my, my dad or whoever I would end up at a game with, my girlfriend whose mom might be watching. Hi, Miss Nancy. Uh, but if you can't enjoy your own company, especially at a thing like a baseball game. And, and I had people talk about this, you know, in the comments saying like, oh, this applies to, you know, movies, going out to dinner. And I absolutely agree. Uh, but I just want to talk about how much, how enjoyable it is to be able to go to a game and be on your own schedule. Because mm-hmm. there's something really therapeutic about just sitting in a stadium and just breathing in baseball. And you don't have to appease anybody. You don't have to wait up for anybody. You don't have to lead anybody around. Um, it's It's relaxing. Um, you know, you can wander around all you want. Last night, I went down by the bullpen and stood there for 20 minutes and watched Kyle Bradish warm up just because I wanted to. And I didn't feel like I was inconveniencing anybody because I didn't have anybody with me to inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Um, I can, you know, scroll on my phone during inning breaks without feeling like I'm being rude to somebody. Um, I can yell DFA Odor tonight as loud as I want, as I did last night, without feeling like I'm embarrassing the people around me. Um, you can make friends. You can interact with people who are sitting near you. Um, you can essentially do what you want. Um, there's no shame in it. It's a lot of fun. There were a lot of people who said, oh yeah, I've done this. I used to do this all the time. I had season tic- I had a single season ticket to the Cubs. I would do that. There were people from all over saying, yeah, it's, it's enjoyable to go to a baseball game by yourself. And I had a friend, I ran into a friend last night and he sarcastically called me a loser. And there's, there's no shame in going to a baseball game. It's so much fun. And, and that's really all I wanted to talk about was if you've never done it before, I think you owe it to yourself to go to a game by yourself and do what you want to do. And uh, that's that's really all I have to say about that because you have to be able to enjoy your own company. Paul, have you ever gone to a game by yourself? Yeah, I absolutely have. I went to the first Orioles playoff game since since 1997 by myself. I was watching the, the Ravens uh, just dominate the Raiders in a football game, and I'm sitting there at my house, and I'm like, I can't not go to this game. I, I, like, how can I as in, how can I be the Orioles fan that I say I am, and then not be at the first playoff game in 15 years? So I immediately left the house. I went down to the light rail in Timonium. I bought my ticket while I was on the light rail. It was a hundred bucks, and I got one club level seat uh, for for a hundred bucks for a that's, playoff that's game, which, not which, bad at all. which was awesome. And then I get down there, and I thought I was going to miss first pitch. I didn't miss anything because there was a two hour rain delay. To start the game. So not only did I get a club-level ticket, I got to watch Tom Brady face off with Peyton Manning in the 4 o'clock game the entirety of the game from the club level while I was waiting for the Orioles game to start. I was thinking about going to the Ironbirds game tomorrow by myself if Rutschman is still going to be there. if he's going, He'll still be there, but if he's going to play tomorrow. I golf by myself. I've gone to the movies by myself the other day. I, two days ago when I had to do the draft show here, I go. I didn't want to go home because it's a forty-five minute drive. I didn't want to make, keep making that drive in one day. I went and played golf by myself. I went bowling by myself, and then I came back and I did the show. My dad taught me a long time ago to, to learn to appreciate your solitude and get to know yourself. It's you know what so I mean? important. Yeah, it, it's really important, and it's, like you said, at times it can be therapeutic. So I'm one hundred percent with you. I, like I said, if Adley Rutschman's in the lineup tomorrow, there's a good chance after my baseball game, I'm heading to Aberdeen. And I'm I'm catching an Ironbirds game by myself, and I have no qualms about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get Rich Dubroff on the line while Ryan pays a bill for us. Sure. So PressBox 
Press Boxes, Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on Glenn Clark Radio. This week, the guys caught up with Hall of Famer Cal Ripken, former Ravens receiver Torrey Smith, Orioles pitcher Spencer Watkins, and Tyler Linderbaum's Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. Lovely job, as always, Ryan. And the next guy does a lovely job every day for BaltimoreBaseball.com. Just wrote an article recently about uh, Brandon Hyde's uh, the revelation that he is still going to be under contract with the Orioles through at least 2023. He is Rich Dubroff, and he is live with us now on the bat around. Rich, good morning. How are you today? I'm great, guys. How are you? We're doing really well, really well, and we're always pleased to talk with you. You've been quite the friend to the show over the last couple of years, so we appreciate your time as always. Uh, let's dive right in here. Orioles lose a ball game last night, Rich, three to one, and there was some good, there was some bad. Uh, Tyler Nevin, that 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 poor guy, he comes up with with guys on base a couple of times, uh, grounds into a double play, strikes out. Uh, Orioles end up losing a ball game by two runs. Why does it seem like this team can only hit when they can't pitch? It can only pitch when they can't hit. Yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of strange. It's it uh, they, they they haven't really gotten into any kind of a groove. It it seems. I know that's not doesn't sound very scientific, but you know I've watched you know I've watched uh, you know most of the games in person. I I, I wasn't uh, on the West Coast, but it, it just seems like you can't really get a feel for this team. You right. know. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I, I, you know, I think that that the lower half of their batting order seems to be, uh, you know, and, and I know this is no great revelation, but just seems, you know, kind of empty. It does. It absolutely does. You look at uh, Chris Owings coming into pinch hit for Ruth Neto Door, and it's, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Uh, Owings, he's two for fifteen this year with eleven strikeouts. At what point, Rich, do we see? Do we say, okay? These guys aren't the players that we needed them to be. I know it's still early, but at what point do you start getting guys like Richie Martin or Jemai Jones or Ryland Bannon up here and giving them the opportunity to go up there in those situations? I think soon. Uh, but I think, you know, you're, it's going to be very interesting, uh, you know, after tomorrow's game or before Monday's game, the, uh, the rosters are going to be cut yeah. from 28 to 26 players. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, to see what happens. That's an, um, that's an excellent point because they're going to still let them keep uh, 14 pitchers through the end of the right. month. So that's going to be interesting to see. That's a great point, Rich. I mean, they could have, you know, they could keep 14 pitchers, which they have now, and then drop down to, uh, you know, you know, 12 position players. Right now it's 14 and 14. So, uh, you know, it could be they could do it that way. I think, you know, I think that what you're going to see in May is – you know, you're going to see sort of the resumption of the, the Norfolk shuttle. Uh, yeah. You didn't see that that much in, in April. You know, you didn't see a lot of, uh, you know, new, you know, I mean, the position players they have are the position players they started with a couple of weeks, three weeks ago. They are. You're absolutely right. And somebody else who uh, we're hoping is not on the shuttle, he made his major league debut last night, 
Kyle Bradish. Uh, you'd expect that the uh, that the leash would be a little bit longer for him uh, because he is one of their top pitching prospects, and he made the debut last night and served himself very well with the six innings pitch and, and uh, only allowing two earned runs, three runs total. What did you see from Bradish last night, and do you think that this is a guy who they brought up to keep in their rotation for the foreseeable future? Well, yes. They, this is one thing. One thing about Elias is that you know. I, I, he's conservative in bringing players up, but once they're up, unless there's, for the most part, unless, unless, uh, unless there's a reason that they've shown that they can't hack it in the big leagues, they stay up. Right. You know, uh, you know, they give them, they get, they, 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 yes, they're second tier guys. I mean, they're got, you know, uh, Zach Lothar and Alexander Wells and before, this year, Keegan Aiken, um, you know, they would move them back and forth because they, they weren't quite, you know, they were good prospects in their mind, but not, you know, the elite prospects. But when they've had guys they wanted to take a look at, you know, uh, go, this goes back to Santander in, in 2019. Uh, Chan Cisco, DJ Stewart, they get, you know, they, they get real chances. You know, I mean, I, I remember having a lot of readers complain to me with Cisco. Oh, they never gave him a chance, which was absolutely garbage. I gave him plenty of opportunities. Uh, um, but, you know, they gave DJ Stewart, you know, so many opportunities. You know, there were other guys like McKenna, who was there to fill a need, uh, who ended up playing most of the season with the Orioles last year. Um, and they moved him up, you know, they moved him up and down, I think seven times, which you can't do anymore. But, uh, but once they, you know, bring somebody up, they're there to, they're there to get a real opportunity and the, the team, you know, needs starters. You know, I mean, John means, John means is down. Uh, Chris Ellis went, you know, Chris Ellis went down. So there are, you know, there, there's an opening and, you know, there will be an opening soon for uh, Grayson Rodriguez. So uh, these guys will get opportunities. Now, Brad, you know, I, I'd say, you know, with Bradish, he'll be up, you know, give him, they'll give somebody five starts, let's say, which is a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And let's see what they, let's, let's see what they do after five starts. But I would think that unless, um, unless he was totally overmatched, that he was, you know, that he'd be uh, in the big leagues to stay. Rich, on the subject, uh, the corresponding move for Bradish being called up to the active roster was Mike Bauman being sent down to AAA. Uh, and he's been pitching out of the bullpen this year, a, a few good outings, a few bad. Uh, do you think this was just a procedural move? Does it have to do with uh, recent usage or performance? And how soon do you expect Bauman to be back up in the bullpen? Well, I think that, I think that Bauman is someone that they want to, you know, that they, they want to um, see in the big leagues, uh, maybe as a, you know, and maybe as a starter, maybe as a, you know, maybe as a reliever. I, I remember I saw him for the first time and I didn't really know who he was. Uh, 2018, I guess it was 2018. I saw him in Delmarva and he pitched and he was terrific. And I thought, wow, you know, I didn't know anything about him. And I thought he was, and I saw him in the minor, you know, I saw him pitch for Bowie and I thought he was really, you know, and I thought he was really good. And, you know, I have been a Bauman, you know, I've been a Bauman fan and a Bauman booster. And he, you know, 
you know, at times he's shown, you know, at times he's shown some good, um, uh, you know, some good stuff. And I, I just think he needs to pitch regularly, which is what they said that they're going to do with him. You know, if they, they'll probably put him, make him into a tandem starter for now, you know, uh, pair him with somebody else. So they stretch him, they stretch him out a little bit and see what they, uh, see what they want to do with them. Because, you know, this is a, a season of experimentation. You know, you want to get these young guys up, Braddish and Rodriguez, and if they can, D.L. Hall and Rochman and Stowers, and, and let them, you know, let them get the bad stuff out of the way. You know, I mean, every almost everybody stumbles uh, when they get to the major leagues. And this is sort of, this should be like a learning year uh, for them. And I know fans, you know, fans are tired of hearing that. Uh, but this is, you know, these are these are the real prospects now. <laughs> I mean, these are your, you know, these are your these are your best players. And you mentioned earlier, well, when do they give Jemai Jones and, and Richie Martin and uh, uh, Ryland Bannon a shot? Well, I think that they're going to get. Yeah, I think that they're going to get shots. Uh, you know, I think that you know, you know, I don't know if. I don't think you're there to placate the fans and say, well, fans want to see those guys rather than seeing, uh, you know, Odor and, uh, and Gutierrez and Owings. But, uh, you know, you want to, you, you want to see what your players in your system can do. I mean, that's, uh, and, and interestingly, none of those three, Bannon, uh, Jones or Martin is a, is an Oriole product, but they have, gotten you know they they have gotten uh to uh tutoring in in the minors and uh they've invested in them so you know you want to see uh you want to see what they can do we've got rich dubrow from baltimorebaseball.com joining us today and just as a reminder ryan blake filling in in the co-captain's chair for zach goodman who's out in vegas uh participating in the nfl draft rich you mentioned keegan aiken a little bit earlier and it seems like he's really carved out a role for himself in this Orioles bullpen, and it seems like the biggest difference uh, from the last couple of years to this year is he's stopped trying to nibble and he's attacking the zone. His 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 strike percentage is way up in the upper eighties. He looks like a completely different guy this year. Yeah, he certainly does, and I think that he's better off being in the bullpen. And he's basically said, I remember asking him uh, after a game you know, about being in the ballpen. And he says he feels more, you know, he, he says he feels more comfortable there. Uh, and so, you know, while the Orioles first and foremost need starters, having, you know, a, a left-hander who can pitch multiple innings and not have guys on base is a, you know, is a really good thing. And of course, just like everybody else, I was sort of focused on Bradish last night. And not, uh, you know, not on Aiken, but Aiken came in and, uh, you know, kept them, kept them in the game again. So that's, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really good thing. It, it's just interesting because they are developing some, uh, you know, interesting options in the bullpen and maybe options that uh, they hadn't uh, really thought were there to start the season. 
Yeah, it, it seems like a lot of these guys that we were nervous about when they traded Salser and Scott have really stepped up and, and provided the Orioles some really solid innings for them. And you look at a guy like Bruce Zimmerman providing solid innings in that starting rotation. You mentioned the lefties. He's another left-hander who kind of softens the blow a little bit from John Means. He, and he learned apparently he learned his changeup this offseason from John Means. What are you seeing from Bruce Zimmerman that has turned him to, into, early on, one of the best pitchers in the American League? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just again that you know, it's again that confidence. I think that had he not been hurt last year, he would have, uh, you know, he, he would he would have turned into, uh, you know, a, a pretty solid start last year. I think the injury really, you know, he he was sort of the the best of what they had mm-hmm. when it came to, uh, you know, when it when it came to uh, the younger starters last year, and. Uh, you know, and and it's just interesting because when they acquired him in that Gosman, you know, in that Gosman trade, it was sort of, oh well, you know, they got this local guy, and you know, this local guy story, these local guy stories get old real quick mm-hmm. if they don't perform. Yes, they do. You know, they absolutely. And, do. I mean, at first it's great. I mean, I I remember you know several years ago they had Steve Clevenger, right? And uh, you know, the pride of Pigtown, and. That was uh, that was really good until uh, you know until Clevenger uh, didn't really produce at the plate or, or behind the plate. Well, they turned him so, into Mark Trumbo, though. Yeah, they turned him into yeah. They got Mark. They did get Mark Trumbo for him. Uh, but that's sort of uh, you know uh, he, he's been a, a, a real a real bonus uh, that you know from all those trades. You know he may be. Uh, you know, it looks like he's the the best player that they got from you know all those trades they made in 2018, and I don't think that's any that's something that uh, anybody would have predicted. No, I, I agree with you, and he, he you have confidence now when he goes out there every fifth day that he's going to give you length and he's going to keep you in ball games. So it's certainly been nice to see. Now another lefty that we've been dying to see is D.L. Hall. He made a season debut last night for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. He goes four innings, 54 pitches, uh, two hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. And Rich, of that line that I just read to you, the no walks is what stands out to me. Um, how long is he going to be spending in, in Aberdeen? I'm assuming he goes to Bowie here shortly. Uh, and at what point do you think we see him, if at all, in 2022 at the big league level? Well, if his per- if if his performance warrants and if his health allows, I think you will see him in the second half of the season. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, they want to really monitor, they really want to monitor those innings. Uh, you know, and they may put him, you know, they may start him and, and he pitches a few innings, but then again, you're going to need a guy to, uh, uh, to carry him. Uh, you know, and you probably not, Put Aiken in back, probably not put Aiken in back of him, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's just that he had he threw so few innings last year. Uh, I think it was what thirty one and a third, something like that. Thirty two, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know you can't just go from from that to one hundred and fifty, you know, one hundred and fifty innings right. without possibly hurt, you know, without possibly hurting them. So I I, I would think that you know you'd see him. You know, second half of the season, they wanna, they wanna, you know, I think that now that they they can, you know, send them to Bowie, maybe at, maybe one more start at Aberdeen, then send them to Bowie, and then have him hopefully pitch there, and they'll want him to pitch a Triple A. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll want him to pitch, they'll want him to pitch a Triple A. So I would say, you know, uh, 
after certainly you know after the All Star break, July August, and you know with a healthy DL Hall that that would be really cool. Yeah, it, it, by then you'd think Grayson Rodriguez would be here, Bradish in the rotation. It's something that it certainly can get the blood flowing for for Orioles fans for the first time in a long time. Now Adley Rutschman's been getting that blood flowing for quite a couple, quite a few years now. He is on the cusp of getting to the major league level. He's been playing down at Aberdeen. Is the plan for him to do a, a a six game series at each stop and then get back to Baltimore? And if that's the case. Is he lining up to make that major league debut on May sixteenth, that Monday opener against the Yankees to start a homestand? Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. Um, because you know, when you do a when a when a major league player goes and does a you know a minor league rehab assignment, it's generally you know it's generally the the, the twenty day thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's not that's not a, he's not on the major league roster, so he can be down there as long as. Uh, you know, as long as he wants, but Aberdeen's home this week, and then Bowie will be home uh, for, you know, six days starting Tuesday, and then Norfolk will be home six days starting after that, and of course they're going to want uh, Rutschman's Major League debut to come at home. Right. So I would think, you know, I would think the week of, uh, you know, May 16th, if all things go well, uh, you know, you'll see Rutschman here. But you know, there Michael Elias certainly isn't saying that, and you know they they've never told a player, okay, you're going to be here by right a certain day. So I think that you know I, I think that that's a, a pretty good a pretty good guess. And if you're going to guess that, I'd say you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. Yeah, I I, I think uh, the stars are aligning perfectly for that to be the case for sure. Uh, you did write an article about Brandon Hyde the other day, and um, I don't know if it the article was championing him or just kind of putting the facts out there that he's here through twenty twenty three. There have been people, and myself included, have been speculating that he's not going to be the manager of this team when they get back to competition. That's generally the case. These managers that are brought in to manage a rebuild usually aren't around to see the fruits of their labors, but it seems like the Orioles are giving him the opportunity to manage these prospects and be that guy. Uh, What can you tell us about Brandon Hyde and the Orioles' plans for him? Well, you know, everybody, everybody, and not necessarily me, Everybody speculated when he came here that he was a placeholder, mm-hmm. that he was going to be, be the manager for a while. He'd take the bullets when they were bad, and then you know someone else would come in. You know, and a lot of fans they, they wanted to connect the dots. And they thought, well, you know, uh, Buck Britton. You know, they keep promoting him. He, you know, next thing he's going to do is manage the Orioles. You right. know, and, and it's a long way from managing a Triple A. To managing in the big leagues, and it doesn't seem like uh, you know minor league managers get promoted all that much these days. And of course, I don't know. Uh, and Mike Elias is uh, generally uh, very, very difficult to read, very difficult to predict. Even for those of us who have, you know, I, I've listened to every single one of his, um, you know, press conferences or, or Zoom calls since he's been. Uh, you know, since he's been with the Orioles, and you know, yes, there's certain things that I, I I take away from them, and then you know, there are always surprises uh, that co- you know that co- that come with them. So, you know, I I like Brandon Hyde personally. I like Brandon Hyde a lot, but I don't see 
you know, fans who say, oh, well, you know, he can't manage the bullpen or I don't, I haven't heard that as much this year mm-hmm. uh, or they don't, they play fundamentally poorly and they, they played fairly well on defense until that, you know, five error debacle yeah. on, uh, you know, on Thursday. So I'd like to see how he, how he does with, uh, you know, with much better, with better players. He does not seem traumatized by all the losses, which he seems like he seems very, very strong. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really, you know, get as down as you might, ex- you know, as you might expect. Uh, so I, I think that if if you said, well, I was I throwing out the facts that he was just going to be here, or was I championing him? Well, I was. I would put myself in the the boosting hide because I think that it's a, it's a good move. I think that you know, firing coaches and managers in sports, lots of time is just uh, you know looking for a scapegoat or, or showing that you're doing something. A lot of times, you know, you sort of have to because, you know, you want to show the fans that you're doing something. Or, you know, lots of times managers do get stale. And I, I'm around Brandon Hyde, you know, <laughs> a lot. Um, you know, I'm around him every day in spring training and, and then during the regular season. And he doesn't seem to be... Um, you know, he doesn't seem to, to get down and stuff. The the losses are very, very difficult for him. And then, you know, last year he had the, they had those two horrible losing streaks. Yeah. And already they've lost five they've lost five games in a row. But uh, and this is not going to be a good team. You could see another hundred loss team, but I don't see if they went and they put Buck Britton in here. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be any different. What might be worse? You know, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Hyde Hyde was a coach for a team that won a World Series, and you know, he knows he's been through. You know, he's been through that grind, and you know, he was never a major league player, or uh, he was never a major league manager before. I understand that if you wanted to to bring in, you know, a more experienced manager who maybe had had been in the postseason. I mean, they have Freddie Gonzalez on staff, and Freddie Gonzalez has been, you know, in the postseason mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. But, they have, but you know, Brandon's already here. Brandon's gone through this stuff and seems to have um, adapted, re- you know, adapted real well. And once they get some better, you know, more, uh, more all-around infielders, you know, I'm really looking yeah. for it. Well, like, uh, like all the fans are look- I'm looking forward to seeing Rodriguez and Hall and and Rutschman play all the time. I'm looking forward to seeing these young infielders get up here in a year. You Absolutely. Know, see how um, Gunnar Henderson and uh, Westberg and, and Joey Ortiz. You know, they, they have some really interesting guys. You know, I, I saw Bowie play. Um, I guess you know not not yesterday, but the Friday night before, and it was just really intriguing seeing these good players. And I saw a lot of them in, in spring training. And, you know, in all the time I've been around this team as a writer and as a fan, I've never seen uh, a group like this. So I'm going to be intrigued to see, you know, how, uh, 
how well they play once they finally get to the major leagues. Absolutely. Again, we have Rich Dubrow from BaltimoreBaseball.com joining our show today. And Rich, one final question, and we do appreciate you taking an extended segment with us today, but I can't let you go without asking you about Adam Jones. And Adam Jones came out and uh, basically said that he has had no contact with the Orioles since he left at the end of the 2018 season. Uh, they contacted Robert Andino before they contacted him about the 30-year um, anniversary ceremony for the for Camden Yards. Uh, what do the Orioles need to do to mend these fences? Well, they need to, you know, they, they, they're, they're basically hurting themselves because here was the, you know, here's the most popular and best player that they have had in the last 20 years for an extended period of time. I mean, mm-hmm. Machado was the most skilled player, right. but Jones was there, you know, Jones was there for, for 10 years and he connected so well uh you know, with the fan base. And one thing that never gets talked about with Adam Jones is the increase in black fans uh, who go to Oriole games since Adam, jo- since Adam Jones came to, came to the Orioles. That's a great point. And, I, you know, he and I talked about it a number of times. And uh, why, you know, I, I, I know why the, um, you know, I know why there is, a, uh, there is some tension there. And you know they, they the Orioles need to embrace all the you know they embrace their far distant past, but they need to embrace the not so distant past too. Yeah. And I you know as I said I know I think everybody knows why um, this gulf uh, exists and it shouldn't. And look, I lo- I am you know I am a big Adam Jones fan personally and, and professionally. You know I got. You know, I got to to know him and cover him for a long time, and he was just a great, um, you know, a great player on the field, and you know, and really important off the field, and gave a lot of his time and money to very, very important causes. And you know, you can't just say, "Oh, well, we have, you know, Ryan Mountcastle, and we have Cedric Mullins now." You know, you have to grow into that. You can't, uh, you know, when Adley Rutschman comes, you know, people, people have to get to know these players. And Jones was very approachable by fans off the field, you know, and, and other, you know, the players are going to have to learn, have to learn how to do that. And not all of them necessarily can. Some of them can be really great players on the field, but not necessarily accessible off the field. And it, and that, and that's also not necessary. You know, you're just paying them, you're just paying players for them to produce on the field. But Jones was a great Oriole on the field and a great asset to the community off the field. And the Orioles are certainly need to do whatever it takes to make sure that he feels like he's welcome with this team whenever he wants to be. So I, I think that, they, that that will go a long way towards mending some fences there. So, Rich, what do you have coming up on BaltimoreBaseball.com for us? Well, we have coverage of the Orioles. Um, you know, every day, every day we have minor league coverage, and we have a, a young, uh, you know, we have a young new writer for the Orioles that um, will be appearing in our pages uh, on our site occasionally, and you uh, sharp-eyed fans noticed uh, noticed that he was covering Rutschman's debut in uh, in Aberdeen, and that's a young fellow named Peter Schmuck, um, oh, well, who, uh, right. 
who was a legendary uh, sports columnist uh, and uh, Orioles writer for the Baltimore Sun for, uh, for three decades until he retired from the Sun. And now he's going to be with us, and I am over. Oh, I am too. I love Peter Schmuck. I can't. I can't wait to read his stuff. Uh, Rich, it's always our pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for being such a good friend to the show. We hope to talk to you real soon down the line. All right. Thanks, okay. Rich. My 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 pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Take care. I guess. I guess the schmuck didn't stop there. Yeah, I thought that he was uh he was coasting into retirement out there on the West Coast, but. Apparently, this uh, 400 losses in four years uh, Orioles team uh, just had him coming back here and having to be a part of everything. So, yeah. um, I think look, we, need, we need to have a discussion. Is Peter Schmuck a bandwagon Orioles fan? He's, uh, he's coming back with with all the uh, the excitement coming. Oh, in the future. Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez hey, are coming. You know, I, this is I, the time I gotta to buy be in. Yeah, yeah. No, no I, I'm, I'm just messing. I up. know you are. I know you are. Uh, look, that, Rich Dubroff has come on our show so many times over the last year plus, and he always does such a great job with so much intel. So we certainly appreciate him joining the program as always. Hour number one, well into the books, well in the books here, uh, and it's been the first hour of the, the bat around. Wow, if I can learn to talk, <laughs> the first hour of the bat around has been brought to you by your local Baltimore Police Department. You can join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. I mention this every time I do this read. They have the highest wages in the state, and they have excellent benefits from day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. we got to get a break. When we come back, we're going to get to the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. That and more coming up on the Battle Round. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com 
Stand the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. All right, welcome back to the Batter Round. The second hour of the Batter Round is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It's the best place to be for the rest of the draft, the NBA playoffs, and all of the big upcoming events. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks that are open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Important to note, the kiosks are open 24-7. The FanDuel Sportsbook closes at 11 every day. On the weekends, it closes at midnight. There are some huge fights coming in coming in May, including UFC 274, and Baltimore's own Gervonta Tank Davis taking on Rolando Romero. You can reserve your spot for both events right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. And now it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Whoops. Knocked something over there. Kyle Bradish tossed Kyle Bradish tossed six strong innings in his big league de- debut for the Orioles, and Ryan Mountcastle hit a mammoth home run, but it was the Red Sox behind a Christian Arroyo two-run homer and seven shutout innings from Rich Hill and Tanner Houck, who came out on top three to two. Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, and John Carlos Stanton all homered, and only rain could stop the Yankees as they dominated the Royals 12-2 in a rain-shortened eight-inning game. The Astros tallied 11 runs on 14 hits, including 7 for extra bases, with home runs from Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, and Jeremy Pena to outslug the Blue Jays 11-7. Corey Kluber tossed 6 innings of 1 hit, 1 run ball, and was backed by a 3 run homer by Josh Lowe, as the Rays took down the Twins 6-1. There were 5 lead changes, but Cleveland got the final word as Josh Naylor hit a go-ahead 2 run homer in the 7th to put the Guardians over the A's 9-8, and somewhere Zach Goodman is jumping up and down, cheering his head off. Justin Turner and Chris Taylor homered and Tyler Anderson allowed one run over five innings as the Dodgers shut down the Tigers 5-1. Jake Cronenworth and Hassan Kim each homered to back a quality start by Hugh Darvish and a Padres 7-3 win over the Pirates. Everybody but Joey Wendell had a hit for the Marlins and everybody but Jazz Chisholm either scored or drove in a run as Miami beat the Mariners 8-6. Luis Torrens had four RBIs for the Mariners in the loss. Tyler McGill, Drew Smith, Joely Rodriguez, Seth Lugo, and Edwin Diaz combined for a 12K, six-walk no-hitter for the Mets as they stymied the Phillies 3-0. Taylor Ward hit his fifth home run against uh, amongst his three hits, and Shohei Otani went deep as well to lead the Angels over the reeling White Sox 5-1. Wilmer Contreras homered twice, and Travis Demerit... Demerite? Demerit? I think it's Demerit. All right. And Travis Demerit contributed an inside-the-park home run to push the Braves past the Rangers 6-3. to You know, if I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name, I probably shouldn't put it in the in the highlights. But it was an inside-the-park home run. You got to right. you you throw it was, it. It was there. William Contreras, too, but that's all right. 
William, I thought was Wilmer. Uh, I think I was thinking of um, Wilmer uh, Flores. Wilmer Flores. Yeah, yeah. I, it was like one thirty in the morning when I was doing this, and hey, I was I was I was exhausted. That's dedication, Paul. Hunter Renfro homered twice, and Adrian Hauser tossed six shutout innings to lead the Brewers to a blowout victory over the Cubs, eleven to one. Madison Bumgarner allowed one run in five innings to leave his ERA at one seventeen as he and the D-backs shut down the Cardinals six to two. Four players had multi-hit games, and Ryan McMahon drove in three as a, in a Rockies 10-4 win over the Reds. And finally, seven players had at least two hits, five players had at least three hits, and three players had four hits to help the Nationals pummel the Giants 14-4. One of those guys that had four hits, Michael Franco, who is just tearing the cover off the ball for the Nationals. Now, look, he started hot for the Orioles last year, but uh, still, man, what the hell? I yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. What 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 that? Whatever. <laughs> what, whatever. It, whatever's exactly right. It's not like he planned. He had. Um, he fit into the Orioles' future plans anyway. Yeah. But still. All right. So it's time for Orioles banter, and Orioles banter this week is going to focus on some minor leagues, some major leagues. The guy I want to talk about first and foremost is Kobe Mayo who, before the season, a lot of people were saying that he could be the number one offensive prospect in baseball by next year. And got off kind of to a slow start at Aberdeen, a little bit of a slow start, but recently he's been tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, he had he had four home runs in three games. He, had, he took an 0 for last night. But Kobe Mayo has, like, he, he, he has light tower power. This is a guy who just, I think he's got a 70-grade power and 70-grade arm. The Orioles gave him well over slot to get him to uh, commit to them instead of, and forego his commitment to college. I think he's supposed to go to Florida uh, for college. I think so. Um, the guy, he comes from Stoneman Douglas High School, the same high school as Anthony Rizzo. Had that terrible shooting a few uh, several years back. But um, we don't want to put the focus on that. We want to put the focus on Kobe Mayo and how well he's been hitting for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. It shouldn't be too long before he gets that call up to Bowie. Yeah, and speaking of dudes who are dudes, that dude is a dude. Uh, there's a lot to like about Kobe Mayo, uh, and, and he doesn't get enough love for his defense either. He's a solid third baseman, and like you mentioned, the 70-grade the arm. Um, you know, he's a people. He's a guy a lot of people think is going to be a first baseman or a mm-hmm. DH. He's a third baseman, and I know Eric Garfield will appreciate me saying that. Uh, he doesn't get enough love for his defense, but the light tower power, like you mentioned, is there. Uh, four homers in three games. And, yeah, there's a legitimate shot, especially with, with how young he is. And, you know, he'll still be in the minors for a couple more years. Uh, should see Bowie soon. But, yeah, there is reason to believe that he could be in the conversation for the best offensive prospect in baseball. Yeah, he, and He is that good of a hitter. And I have thought about the fact that maybe he could go over the first base. Some people have talked about him going into the corner outfield spot. I think he's going to play where the Orioles have a need. But they also, you want to get use out of that arm. There's no point in having a 70-grade arm if you're playing a position like first base. Because right. how often are you cutting that throw off and making that throw home? You know what I mean? Or throwing it back across the diamond over the third base. Probably 30 times in the season uh, combined with those two. So they want to get use out of that arm. I think Kobe Mayo is a guy who they hope and pray will stick at third base because you got to get that bat in the middle of your future lineup. Somebody else. The Orioles just signed him in the international bonus slot. Uh, signing period or the international bonus signing period and that's Cesar Prieto and he was one of the most accomplished hitters in the Cuban um, in the Cuban series uh, I think he struck out 41 times in just about 700 plate appearances down in Cuba he hit 376 or right around that number right there and he's come to Aberdeen and won um, what's the league that Aberdeen plays in oh uh, that's shoot 
I I don't know. Whatever that whatever well. league it is that Aberdeen plays in, he was their player of the week. Uh, last week he's hitting 326 after a homer and a double yesterday. He isn't known for his power, and he's got seven home runs already down in Aberdeen. I looked at once he gets promoted, that number is going to go down a little bit. But this is a guy that a lot of people, and myself included, think is going to move quickly, and he's showing that he's probably ready for a promotion up to Bowie. Uh, and then can you imagine that infield at Bowie when it has uh, Westberg, Henderson, Prieto? Ortiz. And now look, when he gets promoted to Bowie, that's probably when somebody like Jordan Westberg gets promoted up to uh, AAA. And it, and, and it might just be that Prieto doesn't get promoted until they promote somebody like Westberg. And I, I would imagine uh, Gunnar Henderson is off to a better start than Westberg is. Westberg has four, has five home runs already, but he's hitting 211. Yeah. Uh, and, and Henderson is walking more than he's striking out. He's getting on base at a very high clip right now, and the power is there uh, still for him as well. So one of those guys is going to—I think that we don't see Prieto get to Bowie until one of those guys or both of those guys get promoted up to AAA. And I don't know how long that's going to take because I think they want them to have a little bit more success than what they've had to this point. You know, Prieto is an interesting case because when we, we signed him in the offseason, he was a guy I thought— could be in the running to even start the season as high as Triple A. Mm, I thought. So. I thought. I thought he started Bowie. I was surprised to see him at Aberdeen. Yeah, I, I thought Bowie at the minimum. Uh, but he's he's that polished as a hitter. Um, obviously, the Orioles have different plans. They want to get him adjusted to to playing ball over here, and um, you know the day to day lifestyle of being a professional <laughs> ball player. But you know, just looking at the the video of his home run from last night, that swing is so fluid. It's so he has such barrel control, mm-hmm. such intensity behind the swing. Um, such torque in his rotation. Like, it, there's there's a lot to like about that swing, and uh, you know he's a guy who hasn't been getting enough love as one of these top Orioles prospects. But when we're looking back on this this as a as a league, when we're looking back on this um, international signing period, mm-hmm. Prieto might be one of the guys who's in that top tier of, of standouts. Yeah, and when I first saw, and, and keep in mind, this is a guy who was supposed to sign up with the Astros for like two and a half million, yeah. and he had trouble defecting from Cuba, and that's why the Orioles were able to get him at, I think, like $600,000. They were able to get him, or like 750000 It was in between those two numbers. He was less than a million for sure. Yeah, they were able to get him at, at a low number because it took him so long to defect. But when I saw video of his swing, the first thing I thought was Juan Soto. That was that was the first thing I thought, and then you, after that, it's the body type. And, and look, I, I I go to the gym pretty regularly, so I have an appreciation for people who you can tell spend <laughs> Ryan too, Ryan too, filling no, out that that, no. that hoodie nicely. I need to. Um, I, I have an appreciation for guys who take care of themselves, and this guy is very clearly disciplined in his workout regimen, his nutrition, uh, in, in the way he he swings the bat. This is a to me. This is a disciplined human being who I think is going to put the work in and take the necessary steps to be successful at the major league level. And that's a guy who I'm excited to see. I think we could see him in Baltimore at some point this year. Maybe it's a cup of coffee in September. Maybe it's a need in uh, in, in August or once you say, you know what. Maybe Gutierrez isn't cutting it, or it's time to get rid of Odor and Owings. Look, he's got three levels he's got to get through before he gets here, but I think that he moves quickly enough that we could see him in September. I'm really intrigued by this guy's game and this guy's bat. Now, the things I'm intrigued the most about right now is the future of the Orioles that could be here as soon as June or July, and we already saw a little bit of it 
last night with Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish comes up, and in his first big league start, you, you see them put that three spot on the board in the second inning, and you're like, oh, man, he's got to take his lumps too, and then nothing after that. And even then, those three runs, two of them, only two of them were earned. Uh, you look at what he did last night, the pitch efficiency, getting through six innings. and for, oh, No other Orioles gotten through six innings except for uh, Bruce Zimmerman. And he comes out in his first big league start, and he gives you six innings, and probably could have gone seven if it was a month down the road. Yeah, uh, this they built him up. He, his last start at Norfolk, six innings, eighty-six pitches. They've built this guy up, and he's here, rearing and ready to go. Uh, I loved what I saw from him last night. I, being able to to settle down after that second inning that wasn't all his fault, um, and being able to pitch a damn good ball game and keep the Orioles in it. Loved what I saw. He'll he'll take his lumps, but you can't hate what you saw in Kyle Bradish last night. Yeah, there's going to be an adjustment for him. I think. Um, you know, obviously we know what he's capable of doing. Uh, the the two knocks I would give him last night. Obviously, the outing as a whole was excellent results wise. Um, would have liked to see a couple more strikeouts, mm-hmm. and he did give up a good deal of loud contact. Okay. Um, there there were some hard hit balls against him. Luckily, a lot of them were hit right at the Orioles outfielders, but. Um, you know, some some hard contact he gave up, so we'll have to learn how to attack major league hitters, mix his pitches a little bit better. But yeah, all in all, I love the composure. It's it's great when a guy in his major league debut, you know, you come out and give up a moonshot of a home run, and then your right fielder misplays a ball that leads to another. It's easy to completely fall apart at that point. And Absolutely. he did the exact opposite, and that's the the kind of demeanor and poise that you want from your pitcher. And and I, that's that's really impressive for a guy to be able to come back and and pitch six innings after struggling in the second in his major league debut. That says a lot about the type of pitcher that Kyle Bradish will be. Yeah, I I was pleased with it. And, and the one thing, and I mentioned the pitch efficiency. And I think you said he had something like 81, 82 pitches last night. Um, I can't recall the exact number, but I remember watching him in spring, and. They were like, oh, he went two scoreless against the Yankees. He went two scoreless against the Red Sox. But then I'm like, yeah, but look at what the pitch count was. It, it, it took him in that spring game against the Red Sox, it took him 54 pit, 52 pitches to get through those two innings. Uh, and I think he was at something like like 60 pitches or, 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 I'm sorry, like 48 pitches or something like that against the Yankees in those two innings. Uh, and last night he goes out there and he throws 81 pitches, 52 for strikes. Uh Seeing him not w- only walk one batter, keep the pitch count low, keep his his team in a game in his first start. Again, we said he's going to take his lumps, but he has to have confidence rolling into the next start. And th- look, the the Red Sox lineup <clears throat> is no joke. It's no joke, and he navigated his way through that lineup very well last night. Excited to see what the future holds for him. And we mentioned the pitching that could be here in uh, June, July, August. You've got Grayson Rodriguez coming. Probably, I don't know what's going on with my throat right now, man. I, I like my voice sounds different. I, I can't seem to clear my throat. I feel perfectly fine. I just can't <laughs> seem to clear my throat. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, look, I think he'll be here in a month. Uh, the way he's pitching down there, and we saw him. Uh, I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday. It was definitely. I think it was definitely Tuesday. Uh, he went out there and he struggled, um, and it wasn't his fault. He had. I think two or three errors behind him in that first inning. Um, then he had a big t- he had a big rain delay that he had to sit through and come back out for. After the first inning, he went three innings, one hit, one walk. I think four or five strikeouts. Shut him down after that. He gave up three runs, but it was nice to see him, just like Bradish, where he could have fallen apart after the homer and the misplay by Mancini out of right field. Uh, 
Grayson Rodriguez could have fallen apart in that game for Norfolk, and he really settled in and shut that team down after that first inning. And the pitch count got up to got up close to eighty. Uh, this is a guy that he, we had him on Glenn Clark Radio. He said he, his goal is to get up over hundred pitches, face a lineup for a third time. And once he does that, and that could happen in the next couple of weeks, he's the next guy coming up. You know, you're, you're going to see guys like um, Alexander Wells and. I don't know, Dean Kramer when he comes back, and maybe Zach Lothar who is not pitching well right now down at uh, ERA over 10 down there at Norfolk. But you're going to see some of these guys get spot starts. But the next guy to come up that gets an opportunity to stay in the rotation is going to be Grayson Rodriguez, and I think he hits the ground running here. I think so too. You know, it's last night there was a... I couldn't really feel the buzz around the stadium, but certainly within myself, it kind of felt like, all right, Bradish is here, like this is... This is the start of this chain reaction of guys who are going to start coming up. Mm-hmm. And I think Grayson's the next guy. Um, he's Grayson pitching at AAA is me playing MLB The Show on rookie mode. Right. He's, he, he's had one bad inning. You mentioned it was after an hour and a half rain delay. Unless the scoring was changed afterward, I don't think there were any official errors in that inning, but there should have been at least two. Yeah. Um, you know, just bad defense behind him. It led to three runs in that first inning, and then he didn't give anything else up. That's the only bad inning he's had, and it's after he warmed up and then sat for an hour and a half because of the rain. Right. So I, I, I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, he's been spectacular, and you can't keep a guy down at AAA if he's just dominating night after night. You have to then give him an opportunity at the big league level. And for Grayson, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. I think it'll be another few starts for him at Norfolk, but... If he keeps dominating the way he has been, there's absolutely no excuse to not give him a shot. Oh, the, the he's not down a triple A because of the way he's been pitching, because of the results. He's down a triple A because they want to they want to build the innings up. Because when right. they call him up, they want him to be a mainstay in this rotation and give them innings. And he yes. can't give them innings if they have to shut him down because he's thrown too many. So what the, what they're trying to do there is ramp up the 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 arm in a precautionary way, in a safe way that he can get up to. Uh, they're not a sponsor, but, you know, they can get him up to um, 90, 100 pitches seen in order for a third time. We mentioned on What a Show a couple of times that that's something that we need to see him do is face, face a lineup a third time around. Yeah. Um, but everything that he's done at AAA, these guys are no match for him. He, right. he, it, like, like you said, it, it, it's playing MLB The Show on rookie mode. He's just going out there and absolutely dominating. And when he gets to the big league level, four pitches that he can throw for strikes, he can touch he can touch close to a hundred with that with that fastball. And he's got a repeatable delivery. And it's not wonky. It's smooth. It's one of those things where you don't foresee uh, any kind of injuries with him uh, moving forward. But this guy's a special, special talent. And it's he stuff wise, he's big league ready. He's ready to be here right now. They just got to get those innings up, and I, I for one, can't wait. Now, uh, D.L. Hall, we talked about him at length with Rich, and we talked about him in the opening of the show. Uh, served himself well last night with the four innings, two walks, no strikeouts, six, uh, uh, no, two hits, no walks, six strikeouts. Um, maybe July. I don't think he's here before August. Uh, at first, I thought that he would debut in in June, along right around when Grayson does. Yeah. But when I look at it, and I look how long it took them to get him to to uh, an affiliated team, uh, because they were slow playing it with him in the ramp up and extended spring training, and looking at what they probably want to do for his progressions, like Rich said, probably another start at Aberdeen, and he goes up to Bowie, and he probably gets ten starts at Bowie, unless he unless he does at Bowie what Grayson Rodriguez is doing at Norfolk, and then they have no choice but to promote him. But I can't imagine him being here before late July, early August 
at the earliest for the Orioles. Yeah, that's my expectation at this point as well. And there's there's really no reason to rush him this year. Um, let him get built up. Let him get the arm back in shape. And, you know, get him seasoned again and let him pitch a full year. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't come up at all this season, um, you know, I, I, I'd rather play it safe with a guy like D.L. Hall because I don't want that injury label to stick on him. Um, obviously, it'd, it'd be a lot of fun to see him at some point this season, and I hope we do. He was drafted in 2017, so that's five years ago Time now. to be here. It's time to be here. But if they want to take it slow and make sure he's built up so that there's no concerns at all with that arm heading into next season and he has a chance to break camp, I'm, I'm about that as well. So um, as much fun as it would be to see all of these guys make their debuts and, and become mainstays by the end of this season. Mm. If if they want to play it safe with a guy like Hall, I'm a little more okay with that. But, you know, we mentioned it's been five years since he was drafted. I'm starting to get a little antsy. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and rightfully so. Like you said, it's been five years, and the guy's got supreme talent. Again, I think his stuff is big league ready. It's just a matter of him. He's never thrown more than 90 innings. That was three years ago. Right. It, it's it, they got to ramp him up and they got to do it in a safe way. And then real quick, um, we talked about it on the show on Monday. Uh, you were like, "Hang, uh, take over." I got to answer the phone here real quick. I was going to talk about Tyler Wells. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Tyler Wells is a guy who coming into this season, you know, he he was so so much fun out of the bullpen last year um, as a Rule Five guy. You know, you don't expect, especially as our second Rule Five guy. Uh, Garrett Whitlock for the Red Sox was a standout, Akil Badu in, t- in Detroit, but Wells came over and was fantastic. Uh, he was the Orioles' second Rule 5 pick after Max Roller, but I, I guess we're going to Matt. Uh, we, 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 we can finish up the segment real quick. What I was going to say about Tyler is that you said on the show last week, you know, let's see how he does in his next start, and then we can really re- revisit this should he be in the starting rotation. He went out against a, a, a good baseball team, and... Five innings of two-run ball. Yeah. And the two runs came in the first inning on a two-run homer to Giancarlo Stanton, and that's what Giancarlo Stanton yeah, there's, does. Yeah, there's no, no reason to fault him for that. That's, yeah. that is, like you said, that's what Stanton does. And, yeah, he, he settled in real nicely, just like Bradish did last night, just like Grayson did at his start at, Nor- at I guess, down in Gwinnett. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't mind giving him a shot. And if, if it fails, you throw him back in the bullpen and, and see what he can do for you in a high leverage role. But, and we, we saw this last year where he came in early in the season and he struggled a little bit to get it, to get his footing. But then once he got he got into it, he re- and that's why I said on, the, on our, our other show, I think he should have a little bit longer of a leash. Because once he settles in, this guy can dominate. And he's got, yeah. uh, just like Rodriguez and Hall, he's got four pitches he can throw for strikes. He's a big, imposing figure, six foot eight, uh, coming at you downhill on the mound. Th- this is a big dude. He's 28 years old already. People don't realize he, how, how old he is. Give him an opportunity to start every fifth day and, and see what he can do. If he can give me five innings, a two run ball against the Yankees, I'll take that every day. And he was a starter his whole minor league career with Minnesota Absolutely. as well. So you know the capability is there. Absolutely. Now, we've got a, a special guest joining us on the line right now. He is the new play by play. Boy, play-by-play voice for the Bowie Bay Sox. He is Matt Sabatis, and he's live now on the bat around. Matt, it's Paul. It is Ryan Blake filling in for Zach Goodman. Thanks for taking some time for us. How are you today? Thanks, Paul and Ryan. I'm doing pretty well today. Uh, it's a good day in Richmond for uh, for this, uh, what is it now, fifth, fifth game in this six-game series. Definitely need a win, though, after a, a couple of tough losses the last two nights for Bowie, but it's been a been a fun series so far, and I'm looking forward to chatting a little ball with you too. Oh, for sure, as as are we. Now, before we we get into that, for our listeners who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from. 
So originally, I'm from St. Louis. Uh, grew up there, went to college there. Small, uh, small Division two school outside, uh, just outside of the city. Uh, worked in worked in radio there for just a little bit, but mostly a lot of my professional work outside of college has been here on the East Coast. Uh, I, I've worked with a couple of different teams around a couple of different leagues in the minors. I was with an Astros affiliate in the Carolina League down in the, the single-A levels for a season. I had a low-level position with the Phillies AAA for a year. And then last season, I was I was in the Eastern League working with the the Tigers Double A affiliate, the Erie Seawolves. So I've I've definitely been around. I've gotten my fair share of of working in the minors, and it's it's something that I very very greatly enjoy. And I'm just so glad to to have a, a good spot here for the foreseeable future with with the Bay Sox and such a good organization, top to bottom, in the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, and you mentioned that you were calling games for the, an Astros affiliate. Uh, we in Baltimore seem to like uh, take, plucking people from the Astros system, so we're certainly glad to have you here. Hopefully you can help us <laughs> along with this rebuild, too. Yeah, I, I hope so. Obviously, uh, my... my Technical and analytical knowledge is nowhere near compared to what they might put up in the front office there at Camden. But I, I, it, my, my side is more about just promoting and highlighting the key talent that comes through the organization. And we've got a lot of good guys that I, that I feel are, are very much worth highlighting this year. So I'm, I'm glad to just be a small part of it. All right, now let's get into, in, into the Bay Sox. They dropped a game last night 2-1. Uh, to one. Um, They ended up... Uh, falling to nine and nine on the season, Antonio Velez got to start. Of course, he is the pitcher that came over for Cole Sulcer and Tanner Scott, along with um, Kevin Guerrero, the outfielder in their um, in their minor league system. Velez was really good last night, but it wasn't enough. Uh, what have you seen from him to this point in the season? He's had a couple of good starts, a couple of ones where he got knocked around. It said his control is impeccable. Oh, it, it absolutely is. He's been uh, he's been very fun to watch the last two starts specifically because he's been pitching to a lot of heavy contact. He can mm-hmm. still pick up the strikeout when he really needs it, and he did last night. He struck out a total of seven batters, but the the contact that he can get when he wants to helps him go deep into games and helps him keep that pitch count relatively low. If you go back to his last start, it was honestly all around a very fun game for for Bowie because not only was Velez working, but uh, with the top pitching prospect for the the Cleveland Guardians was on the mound on the other end, Daniel Espino, mm-hmm. and he, he struck out the first eleven batters of the game. Espino did. That was a that was an incredible sight to behold. And even when it is happening against the team you work for, you still have to tip your cap to that. But Velez, he he wouldn't be outmatched in that regard. He went through the first five innings only throwing thirty eight pitches. Yeah, he, the the guy can pitch to contact, miss the bats when he wants to, but also get the weak contact to get quick outs. He had a nine-pitch inning at one point last night, and then a six-pitch fifth inning. He had only thrown 61 pitches through five. I honestly wouldn't have had an issue with him trying to go out for another trip through, but you did mention he, get knocked, he got knocked around a little bit. The third trip through the order is where he kind of got scuffed up against Akron this time last week. So it's understandable why they wanted to finish it off there, let him just settle, and then they went into the, the bullpen for Easton Lucas, another left-hander. And Lucas worked just as well. He pitched three scoreless, or three with one uh, one total hit, and it was it, it was pretty clean. The Bay Sox only held Richmond to two hits last night. It was just a, a, an early blemish, a two-run home run by the league's home run leader, Sean Roby, 
there's nothing that you can really fault a guy for in the, in that regard. It was just an excellent pitching performance all around, and I'm I'm really excited to see how Antonio Velez continues with that pitching to contact work he's been getting. I did read a write up after the Orioles traded for Velez that said that they thought that Velez, with the control and with the stuff that he has, could be a player in the Orioles bullpen at some point this year. Do you see that happening? Do you think that he's going to get extended time at Bowie and maybe a promotion at some point this year to Norfolk? Well, if he continues the way he has the last two starts, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be up to Norfolk soon because this is not his first taste of double-A. When he was in the Marlins system, he did get up to double-A for a handful of appearances at the end of 2021. So I I could see him getting up to to triple-A, and depending on what needs might be up in the Orioles' bullpen, I I could see it happening because, again, big contact guy. You maybe bring him in with a guy on base and he could work into a a very quick, quick double play and get you out of the jam without really any issues to work with from there. So if that's the case, yeah, I I can see that happening. But obviously, for a guy like this, if he comes in as a starter, it could also be helpful to you know go distance into some of these games. Once he works up his arm a little bit enough and gets through that, that early season hump of facing a lineup third time through, mm-hmm. then I, I could see him maybe waiting until 2023 and, and potentially being in the rotation in the future. But again, if, if they do have the need for it, where they need someone to come out with guys on base and pick up the quick ground ball out, or maybe just a, a quick fly ball out and strand runners aboard, I feel like Velez would be definitely a good candidate for that. Now his rotation mate, and admittedly I'd never heard of this guy until this year, Ryan Watson has been absolutely fantastic for the Bay Sox. Mm-hmm. He tossed four scoreless innings in relief in each of his first two outings. Then he goes five scoreless in his first start. He has 13 scoreless innings to start the season with 16 strikeouts, just three walks, and a .38 whip. Where did this guy come from, and is he as, does he look as good as his stat line would suggest? I, the, the numbers are actually more incredible than that. It's 13 scoreless innings, but... If for the start of this season and the start of his double-A career, he retired the first 28 batters, all wow. of them. Wow. So in, in, in essence, a perfect game, plus one, to wow. start his double-A career. Incredible, incredible numbers from Watson. And the, the thing is, is that I, personally, I've not caught too much that's super mind-blowing. His, his fastball is, is very good, and again, it comes down to just the placement. I think he's got very good pitch sequencing, and he can really just kind of dictate the plate appearance to the best of his ability. I, I think I, I took the note the other day over his first two outings when he started with, with eight consecutive perfect innings. So that's 24 total batters faced. He only got to a three-ball count twice. Wow. So he really does not waste any time getting ahead in counts and getting the results that he wants. So 16 strikeouts so far over the 13 innings of work. So it's it's not an extreme number. That's just a little over, that's near 10 strikeouts per nine, and that's very good, but it's not, it's not something that you see from like a supreme prospect that's going to become your ace. The fact is, is that Watson, I think, he's a guy that can really be a good mix compared to what we were talking about with Velez, and then compared to the, the top left-hander on the team right now in, in Drew Rahm with his, with his high strikeout pedigree. So I think Watson's definitely a good mix in that. 
And hopefully we, we can see it continue to grow because this is the first time that he faced Richmond. He won't see them again. And then when we get to Harrisburg, I know that they have a very, very good team next week when Watson will is scheduled to start next. Harrisburg is currently the best team in the league at this point, but they've got a lot of older guys, Harrisburg. That's one of the other things about Bowie that is so, so good, is that they're a very young and talented team that is putting together some of these individual performances against much older talent in the league, and Watson's just another key example of that. Matt, you mentioned Watson is a guy who kind of flies under the radar. People haven't really taken notice. Even Paul admitted he hadn't heard of him until this year. Another guy like that is Brandon Young, who just went on the injured list uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, but he's yeah. been off to a great start this season as well. But there's a lot of prospects in the system that kind of fly under the radar because they're not the bigger names. And one of them who I feel like is overshadowed a bit is Joey Ortiz. He's in an infield with Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg, both of whom are much bigger names than he is. But the talent level for Ortiz is there as well. What have you seen from him, and how have these guys adjusted to all, being three shortstops? Obviously, you can't play three at one time, but what, what have you seen defensively from these guys? So manager Kyle Moore has definitely worked out a good system where it's basically just 2-2-2, two, 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 two games at shortstop for each, and then shift them onto the, the other two main infield positions aside from first base for the, the remainder of these six-game series. That's what makes the, the six-game series another advantageous piece is that you can kind of evenly make that mix. Ortiz, among the three, I'd say he has some of the best range defensively. He He's made already a, a great handful of plays both at second base and at shortstop while really just covering tons of ground, not, not even really concerned about where he might be shifted in any regard if he's playing uh, to pull at second base and having to make a make a play up over the bag in shallow center field or, or in the opposite, playing to pull for a right-hander while, while at shortstop. He's really talented and speedy in the field. He's definitely needing a, a little bit of contact over the, the last few games. He, he could definitely jump up to join what... Uh, what Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg have been doing at the plate, but he he's definitely the leader of the pack, at least in my mind, when it comes to that defensive speed and that range. But don't don't take that to mean that Henderson and Westberg are not are not very well accomplished in their own right because they're both incredible too. I, uh, the the number of times that I've just been blown away by a Gunnar Henderson play at shortstop, just uh, this series and this season have just made me so excited for the possibilities of the future of the Orioles infield. But yes, Joey Ortiz, while he may be flying under the radar right now, really has the defensive makings of a big league infielder. It's a good problem to have. I think is the the short the short version of it all is that boy did the uh, did the Orioles really strike it big with uh, with some of this talent they that they picked out for Bowie this year. Now, it certainly is early on, but Ortiz and Westberg are off to kind of slow starts. Westberg does have the five home runs, but the batting average is sitting right around 211. Henderson seems to be an on-base machine. He's walked more than he struck out early on this season. Uh, which of these guys do you think gets promoted to AAA first? Or are we seeing a, a dual a, a, a promotion for, for some of these guys? We talked to, uh, I want to say it was Keith Law on Glenn Clark Radio a, a couple of months ago, and he thought that Joey Ortiz could be the starting shortstop for the Orioles by the second half of the season. I mean, I could feasibly see that, again, just based on his, his defensive acumen. It, the, if we're just... If we're following the basic trend in the timing that the Orioles have gone with a lot of these things, 
Uh, Henderson would probably be the last to get the jump just mm-hmm. because he's still only 20 years old and he was only in AA for five regular season games last season and then right. the three postseason games. So I'm not too positive on who potentially could get it because I know the Orioles can be very mercurial when it comes to making sure that guys get as many or a routine amount in a sizable amount of reps at each individual level. They don't want to rush guys to get them up. Obviously, everyone is saying, get Grayson up now, get Grayson up now. Why isn't Rodriguez here? They want to make sure he gets the reps and he gets the proper innings at each individual level and make sure that he's he's properly conditioned for it all, too, before they send him out into a situation that, that might be a little overwhelming at first. And that, that's how it can be for a lot of guys. So I'm not too sure who might be the first to get that call up. If we are talking defensive acumen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Joey Ortiz. And if we're talking about overall power, Jordan Westberg, yeah, he'd, he'd be a good candidate for it there. He's it, really a lot of his outs. He's not having too many troubles with the strikeouts. He, he, there's definitely more players on the team that have struck out at a much higher rate than mm-hmm. Westberg has. He's only at about 25% right now. It's just been he, he, He's coming up a little bit high on some of the breaking balls, and he's been rolling over on a handful of them. His ground balls are just coming in a little too often, and I feel like if if he can just get over that hump, shouldn't be too hard of a hump to get over because he has gone on a couple of lengthy hit streaks already this season. He's just followed it up with a, a lengthy slump here or there. So if he can just trim those down, which shouldn't be too hard for him, he's a very hard worker, and I, I know he will, he should be able to to be the the next one to make that jump just based on his overall experience and skill set being the the older of the the two main left side infielders between Westberg and Henderson and then the one with the more power of course so far in this season. Well, and with Westberg, we know it's only a matter of time before that bat really heats up. He he played he played at three different levels last year and he hit at all of them. So this this is a guy who I think is in the Orioles uh, not too distant plan. So it'll be nice to see him kind of really get going and and stick with it for an extended period of time. Hudson Haskin This is his first taste of double-A ball. Uh, He was at high-A last year, and he got hurt. He hit two seventy seven at high-A last year before before the injury. Um, He only played, I think, a little over 80 games last year. And this is a guy who comes into double-A, his first taste of double-A, which arguably is your best, um, most talented uh, league, and he's tearing the cover off the ball. I think he had had back-to-back games where he had three doubles, and the next night he had three home runs. How has he been able to just hit the ground running at Bowie? He's a very soft-spoken guy, and I think he's just been so laser-focused on his work that he's not really let anything else distract him outside. It's When you can get him into a conversation, he's extremely kind and extremely personable, and I really enjoy talking with him, but boy, does he just lock in. And I think that's kind of what's been working well for him is that he's not really let any other outside distractions hit him. He's focused on what's come his way. And while there has been a little bit of an adjustment based on surprisingly the weather that we've had to deal with, because Bowie started the season around, I think high fifties when we were at Prince George's stadium for opening weekend. And then when we got up to Binghamton for our second series of the season, there were two games that were in the sixties and then one game where it snowed. So it was, 
Yeah, so it, it's that has definitely been a bit of an adjustment for a lot of these guys because that weather and that that frigidness compared to maybe some humidity or that that smoothness in the air that can be tough on on the body. And I, I definitely think that that has really been one of the only hampers to his play so far. And obviously, he is taking things cautiously after fracturing the thumb last year and missing a good portion of the season. But at the moment, as he's kind of shifted into the leadoff slot over the last couple of days, he was mostly cleaning up or batting between four through six. As he shifted into the leadoff slot, I've not noticed any other real difference out of his on-base stuff. The power has been regressing to the mean a little bit because after the three-home run day, that was the third game of the season. He's only got one sense, but he has sat out for a handful of games. But you look at this series with Richmond that we're currently in, he's gotten on base twice in all three games that he's appeared in and three times in two of them. So he he's he's very versatile and he he knows when he's given a task, how to how to answer the call for it and like I said, doesn't like it. Doesn't let anything distract him. He works hard, and it's very fun to just watch it unfold in real time. Matt, we expect Adley Rutschman and DL Hall. Uh, Adley Rutschman probably as early as Tuesday, and DL Hall probably not too far behind. We expect them both to be at Bowie here fairly soon. How excited mm-hmm. are you to call some of their games? And how big is this for the fans of the Bay Sox to come out there and see these guys play? It, it would be something if they do if they do come up to Bowie. Now I've, I've not gotten any any word, official or unofficial, on if they may be joining the team after uh, after this current week in Aberdeen. But uh, I obviously know the Orioles are going to take things very very carefully and monitor every step of the process to make sure that they uh, that they get their rehab properly set before we can finally see their much-anticipated Major League debuts, hopefully sometime this season. And fortunately for me, I got a, I got a decent understanding of what, the, what, what, what sort of grandeur takes place in, in these kinds of prospects. So last season when I was working with, with the Erie Seawolves, they had the first overall pick the season after Adley, 2020's uh, Spencer Torkelson. Right. And they also had uh, another top-five prospect, Riley Green, uh, an outfielder in the Tigers organization. And those are two of the best, two of the best players that I, personally I've ever watched play. And uh, in getting to know them was was such a fun experience. Getting to watch them was an even more fun experience. And I've heard nothing but good things about Adley. So I just know that if he does come to Bowie once uh, once the Orioles decide his his rehab in Aberdeen is complete. If he comes to Bowie, then I, I think it will just be a, a very fun series to just kind of work with the media and promote uh, promote his what, whatever return he might have. It'd be a brief one considering uh, considering his path. But if he comes back, it, it would just be a fun time. He is Matt Sabatis, the new play-by-play voice for the Bowie Bay Sox, joining us today. Uh, Matt, where can fans uh, follow you on social media, and what can we plug for you today? So my social media is uh, Sabatis Sports. Last name is S-A-B-A-D-O-S-S-P-O-R-T-S. That's the social on Twitter. Uh, the, the main way to follow along with the broadcast every season. Uh, you go to baysox.com slash listen, and we've got a variety of different streams for you to, to pull up. You can listen on your favorite live streaming service. We put them up on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and then, of course, the, the minor league baseball-centric service. You've got that there. 
And then if you do want to, to join in for any of our TV broadcasts this season, you go to MILB.TV. If you want to purchase a yearly subscription, you can use the promo code BASOX, B-A-Y-S-O-X, all in caps, and you can save $10 that way. So whatever, whatever you, you have the chance to tune in for, you can follow along for the remainder of the year because we've still got about 110 games left on what's going to be a very fun 2022 season so if anyone's listening that wants to tune in be sure to uh to join in every night because it's been a fun season so far matt great talking with you today thanks so much for taking some time for us have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of the series thanks matt absolutely you, you guys do the same really appreciate you having me on of course we'll do it anytime take care all right bye-bye and that was matt sabatas again the new play-by-play man for the Bowie bay Sox, joining us on the program today the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for catching and baseball came from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress this season, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. we got to catch a break. When we come back in, Ryan's going to give us this slate of Major League action, and we're going to try and raise Zach Goodman from the dead and get him to come on the line for Take to Rake. That coming up next on The Battle Round. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. 
Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com sports betting has come to maryland and we're ready to help you win some money tune in for simply the bets with glenn clark and paul valley every tuesday morning at 11 40 vandal sportsbook gm bruce billick and vsin's aaron oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners so come win some money with us on simply the bets every tuesday at 11 40 a.m brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel maryland listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio watch at youtube.com slash pressbox online the toyota Tacoma. Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stetka and Alloy Sports' Brad Kronthal help you make some money for the weekend. Appreciate it as always, Ryan. And now, with that being done, it's time for you to tell us what we have on tap across Major League Baseball for this fine Saturday. Well, as always, on a Saturday, we've got a full slate of games across the league. We'll start with the Orioles because this is an Orioles show. Nathan Ivaldi takes the bump for the Boston Red Sox, and it'll be Spencer Watkins making a start for the Orioles. Uh, hasn't been excellent, but hasn't been terrible. Uh, so we'll see how Watkins does on the mound tonight in the second game of this three-game set against Boston. In St. Louis, it'll be Merrill Kelly and Miles Michaelis, both of whom have seen an uptick in velocity go hand-in-hand with an uptick in results. So Merrill Kelly will start for the D-backs, Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals. That game at 2.15 this afternoon. At 3 o'clock, up across the border, it's Luis Garcia for the Astros. He'll take on Jose Barrios of the Toronto Blue Jays. A couple guys who uh, have shown that they can be very good pitchers in this league. Not off to great starts, but we'll see how they do. 
Uh, over in California, San Francisco Giants, Logan Webb will be on the mound. For the Nationals, it'll be Joan Adon making the start. In Chicago, Vince Velasquez takes the mound for the Chicago White Sox, and it'll be uh, Jose Suarez for the Los Angeles Angels, who are red hot right now. The White Sox trending in the other direction. Shane Bieber takes the mound for the, the Guardians in Oakland. It'll be Cole Irvin, who threw five innings of one-run ball against the Orioles last week. That game at 4 o'clock as well. Chris Archer takes the mound for the Twins in Tampa Bay against his former team. It'll be their new ace, Shane McClanahan, on the mound for the Rays. In Florida, Jesus Lazardo, one of my personal favorite pitchers, will go off against the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner. It's Robbie Ray starting for the Mariners. That game at 6-10, battle of lefties down there in Florida. In Miami, excuse me. JT Brubaker for the Pirates will go up against Sean Manaya of the Padres. Uh, that game at 6.30 this evening. And your 7 o'clock slate, uh, it'll be Bryce Elder starting for the Atlanta Braves against Dane Dunning in Arlington. For the Rangers, uh, former Ranger Kyle Gibson takes the mound for the Phillies, who were just no hit last night. It'll be Taiwan Walker trying to continue the trend of solid pitching for the New York Mets. Garrett Cole takes the mound against Carlos Hernandez, that game in Kansas City. We'll see how Cole rebounds from a rough start. He was solid his last time out. We'll see if he can continue that. In Milwaukee, it'll be Justin Steele on the mound for the Chicago Cubs as they take on Eric Lauer and the Brewers, who struck out 13 his last time out and earned himself a spot on my fantasy team. Connor Overton makes his season debut for the Cincinnati Reds. They are at Coors Field, where Chad Cool has been off to a scorching hot start for the Rockies. He will try to lower his 110 ERA even further. It's been a great start to the season for him. And it's Clayton Kershaw on the mound for the Dodgers at 10 o'clock tonight, the only 10 o'clock game this evening. It'll be Bo Brisky. Heck of a pitching matchup there, Brisky and Kershaw. All right, thank you very much. A lot of games to look forward to today. Clayton Kershaw, one of my favorite pitchers of all time, and looking forward to seeing him go out there and pitch another gem tonight. Uh, joining us on the line is a real gem himself. He's out there in Vegas. Unless he's home by now, I can't imagine that he would be, but he's out there taking in the NFL draft. He is our usual co-host and producer. He is Zach Goodman. Zach, good morning to you, sir. How are you today? Paul and Ryan, good morning. How's it going? I miss, uh, miss being on the show this morning, but... Uh good time out here in vegas you know i never even thought about you because ryan's just been doing such a good job i was like <laughs> awesome i'm glad ryan always does a good job i'm not surprised at all he he he, he uh he, he might be your lou garrick bro that look ryan ryan is very very good at what he does very very good you, got, you guys butter me up too much when i when i guessed on here but i i appreciate it i'm always happy to <laughs> i just fill got called a gem so I'm, I'm gonna take it I'm yeah hey we're, we're all just patting each other on the back today yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Usually, I'm I, I'm calling him something else, uh, but no, we appreciate the work Zach does on the show. All right, Zach, take the rake. Um, look, we don't even really need to go over it. I took Trey Mancini. You took Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes has been hotter than the surface of the sun for two weeks now. Uh, he went nine for twenty-two, two home runs, three doubles, six RBIs, three walks, four Ks this week. Mancini went five for twenty-five, a double, a home run, six RBIs, two walks, six Ks. Clearly, you won. So you get to pick first, and then you get to give us your final thought to start. All right, look, so I can't pick Hayes again. He's been the hottest hitter on this team. Um, I needed this win. Very happy to get one. Um, I'm going to go this week with Ryan Mountcastle. Hit that home run last night, well over the wall, well over 400 feet. Um, first one to mount the wall in left field. So I'm going to pick Ryan Mountcastle this week. 
All right, Ryan, I'm going to let you pick second since you're the guest. I, I don't feel good about this, guys. I, I don't feel good about it at all, but I'm going to take Rugnet Odor. And the reason behind Uh-oh. that is with rosters shortening this weekend, I have a feeling Odor is going to do something to play his way into another month on this roster. And I don't like that. I don't feel good about that pick. But something in my gut is telling me that Odor is going to go on one of those DJ Stewart tears where he earns himself another two years with the system. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to take Odor as kind of a, an under-the-radar pick. I, I'm not confident in it, but something in my gut tells me that, that it's the right move. Look, man, I got to go with the hot hand until he's not the hot hand. I got to go Austin Hayes. Uh, he, he looks like a special player. And if you remember 2017, he was one of the five finalists for minor league player of the year across the country. Uh, and he looks like that player to me right now. I'm going to go. I was thinking Cedric Mullins, but I haven't seen. It looked like he was kind of starting to, to turn things around a little bit on that road trip. But I haven't seen anything the last couple of games that makes me think that he is turning it around, which is a story for another day. So I'm going to go yeah. Austin Hayes uh, with for the second time in three weeks. Uh, go ahead, Zach. What's your final thought for today? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, a, a few weeks ago I did one on Kyle Bradish, um, said that Bradish is, is going to be called up in a few weeks and that he should be called up, take that, that role in the rotation. Um, I believe I said it after the John Means injury happened. And now, obviously, we know that Kyle Bradish is uh, going to take that rotation spot, it looks like. But I did see yesterday, uh, I haven't been following the team too closely being out here, but I did see yesterday that they optioned Mike Ballman. My final thought is that, I don't want to exchange one for the other. I don't really want to exchange Mike Ballman for Kyle Bradish in that kind of scenario. I still want to see what the Orioles have in Mike Ballman. I don't want to, I, I don't want to have this leash be so short like they just gave him. I know he's had a little bit of struggles. Um, his ERA is well over six right now. But if you look at what he did, especially in the first outing of the year, I was very impressed. And I just want to see more of that and more of the young talent that they have. Um, there's guys like Travis Lakin. There's, there's other guys in the team that, simply don't deserve a spot as much as Mike Ballman. And being that young talent, what he's done in the minors throughout his career, I'd like to see him up. And I don't really want it to be one for the other when it comes to Kyle Bradish and Mike Ballman at the moment. All right, Ryan, what's your final thought for today? I think that's a good one. Uh, my final thought is uh, that Nick Vespi should be on the Orioles roster as soon as possible. Um, another scoreless outing for Norfolk. He has, I believe, 15 strikeouts on the year in over nine innings. Hasn't given up an earned run yet. Only walked, I believe, one. Uh, Paul Fry's not cutting it. Uh, I think it's time to switch out lefties. Give me Nick Vespi. Yeah, and uh, I, I, we keep doing this thing with Paul Fry where we act like he's good. And Paul Fry starts every year strong and then really fades in the second half. If you Go look at his splits. I noticed this in 2019, and he's done it every year. This year, he started out poorly, and I just I, he was really bad last year. Somehow, he found his way on this roster again this year. Uh, I, I know Brandon Hyde loves him. I know his teammates love him, but the Paul Fry era needs to be coming to an end here. If they were willing to get rid of Sean Armstrong, who had a live arm, they should be willing to get rid of of Paul Fry. I like the Nick Vespi thing myself. My final thought, and we talked with this about Rich Dubroff, they are going to be uh, shrinking the rosters down from 28 to 26 on Monday. And I look at that, and I think it's time to wave bye-bye to Chris Owings and Roof Neto Door. Ryan's hoping he gets a week out of him. Um, look, I'm not hoping. I just I, My gut's telling me it's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I don't think we're going to see Odor get DFA'd. Uh, I, I think that Brandon Hyde seems to really like him. 
Um, and, and that one hit against the Yankees, he's been riding the coattails of that for two weeks now. That might last a full month before they get rid of him. Uh, but I think that we're going to see Chris Owings get DFA'd here on Tuesday. Um, and they're going to have to go down to 12 players on their bench because they can't have more than 14 pitchers. Uh, so, And maybe it is Odor. Maybe it's Kelvin Gutierrez. I, I, I still think they, they, they should take a longer look at Gutierrez playing at third base and putting his bat in the lap. I'm more intrigued by him than I am by Owings and Odor. But I think you're seeing... Owings uh, get the boot on Monday, probably after the game tomorrow, honestly. And then I don't know if you need to replace him with anybody, but I think the next guys that should get a shot are Ryland Bannon and maybe even Richie Martin. Now, I'm not the biggest Richie Martin fan. I, I think that, mm-hmm. that his spring was an anomaly. But Ryland Bannon has done everything he's needed to do this this spring and in um, and in the regular season to get an opportunity, and I'd rather see him get an opportunity in the ninth inning with the bases loaded last night than Chris Owings, who you know is going to strike out. So that's my final thought for the day. Zach, when are you, uh, when are you heading back uh, back over to the East Coast? So my flight leaves tonight, I think around 9, um, and then I'm going to get back on the East Coast by somewhere uh, after 5 a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning. So it's going to be an interesting one. Got a red-eye flight tonight. Uh, I'm going to try to do a little work, try to do a little sleep, so hopefully it, uh, it works out for me. But, yeah, got basically the rest of the day today. We'll probably see some of the, uh, the end of the draft here. I know it's already started, uh, which is, it's kind of early out here. It's already it's 9 a.m. right now. So um, we're going to maybe try to get out there. But otherwise, yep, got the rest of the day. And uh, be back on the show next week. All right, man. You're already world famous for appearing on NFL Network last night right before the Ravens pick. So, uh, looking like you were having a good time, man. Those eyes were barely open. So we were having a good time. It, it, it seemed like it. All right, Bob. We'll talk to you next week, man. Have a great time. Take care, Zach. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See you. That was Zach Goodman joining us uh, for Take to Rake, and Austin Hayes just absolutely on fire. It's one of the biggest bludgeonings um, of Take to Rake in, in recent memory, where Austin Hayes just, he, he stole the show, and then that four-hit game the other day absolutely sealed it for him. So, yeah, it was, it, it was a good show. It was fun today. We appreciate you coming in and uh, taking the reins for Zach while he's on a fun vacation out there, Ryan. Uh, you got anything coming up, anything we can plug for you before we get out of here today? Uh, I'm going to try to get back into my podcast soon. Uh, it'll be Give That Fan a Podcast on UtahStreetReport.com is where you can find it. I'm going to start streaming it on Twitter as well. Uh, you can find both Paul and I on the Sideline Sports Network. We'll also be broadcasting on uh, Fox Sports' platforms as well uh, coming up soon. It's called Oh, What a Show. It's with me, Paul, and John Shear. And uh, it's been a, a, a fun show so far. We're doing it on Monday nights, uh, generally around 9, 9.15. Uh, right in that time frame, it'll vary sometimes based on what the Orioles are doing that evening. But uh, that's where you can find me for now. Uh, I might do some writing in the near future. I kind of have the itch to start writing again, but definitely got to get the podcast back up. But other than that, follow me on Twitter at RyeGuyBlake, at OriolesFanProbs with a Z, and uh, let's have some fun. Yeah, man, and we had some fun today. Certainly appreciate you coming on on the show. Again, you can find me at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter. Uh, it's just Paul Valley with three eyes, um, or you can just check it. Check me out Monday through Friday on Glenn Clark Radio, and every Saturday where you're watching me right now on the Batter on. Guys, thanks for tuning into the show. Thanks to our guests, Matt Sabatis, play-by-play man for the Bowie Bay Sox, and Rich Dubroff uh, from BaltimoreBaseball.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors. We certainly appreciate their time and efforts. Guys, we will see you next week. See ya!